Hello, and welcome back to Chainsaws and Claws, a killer monster podcast. I am Patrick Vicious. I'm Rob the Cinema Drunkie. Uh, this week, uh, we are soldiering through our, like, basically catch-up of the various Scream films before Scream 6's release at the beginning of next month. Or, well, I guess whenever you listen to this, could be, I don't, it could be already out. Who the fuck knows? Um, but as of right now, Scream 6 is not out. And so this week we are getting to Scream 4, which is my pick, uh, which it's a movie that I have a really complicated relationship with. Where it's Same. like when I, yeah, like when I first watched it, I was like, and I don't mean this to anyone who loves it. I, I, I want you to keep listening. Um, I was incredibly disappointed just by virtue of the fact that like, I never thought there was going to be another Scream movie after Scream 3. So, like, when they told me there would be another Scream movie, I was very excited. I could not help this excitement. Usually I walk into anything that I watch with, like, trying to be the most baseline expectation that I possibly can. But because I never thought I would see another Scream movie ever again, and then I was sitting in the theater, like, and Scream was about to happen again, I couldn't help being, like, <laughs> vibrating with excitement. And then I watched it. And it was fine. Like, I didn't dislike it. I always, like, kind of whatever. But I never, I, I was just, like, I was really hoping to be, like, yeah, Scream is back, motherfuckers. And then I was at the end of it, I was just, like, yeah, all right. Like, that's, that's fine, I guess. And then the weird thing is I had never stopped thinking about it, like, for all the years after it. And then um, within the last few years, um, I had gotten in my head that I was like, oh, like, I haven't watched, I, I watched the rest of them a million fucking times, but I've never, I've watched, I've only watched Scream 4 that one time. So, like, maybe I'll watch Scream 4 again. And so, I did, and holy shit was it a different experience. Like, what Kevin Williamson uh, touched on in 2011, I think this was, um, it was like, on the cusp of like, it was like, oh, okay. Like that's as a killer motivation, like whatever. And then <laughs> watching it now, I'm like, oh my God, is he psychic? Like how the fuck did he see this coming? So it's like watching it now, it was the most weirdly prescient. Like it's like the only time, like I feel like every other Scream movie was very much exactly of its time. Like, it was the exact second. Like, I, I can't remember who it was, but somebody described the first Scream where they were like, it could not have come, in out, come out a year earlier or a year later. It could only have come out that exact moment in time. And then I feel that way. That's true about Scream 2 and Scream 3. And then Scream 4 is the only one where it was like they were so far ahead of their time. Like, so far ahead of their time with like the killer motivation. Then also, uh, this is, I'm just gonna get a spoiler right away because I don't fucking care. Um, but spoiler, um, my favorite killer reveal in the entire fucking franchise in Scream 4, when they reveal uh, Kieran Culkin's character of Charlie, um, cause that I did not see coming at all in any way, shape or form. Like I genuinely had no idea. And I was like, that was well done. Um, that I'd never had an issue with. Like there's always been things in this movie that I had some issues with. But as a whole, like, I was like, that was fucking great. Um, but yeah, it was funny because like, the whole thing about the movie is I feel like they were, they, they, would, they went off 
to make it talking about remakes and like trying to be of that moment. But that's actually like the stuff that doesn't work as well as the stuff that was again that they were like somehow seeing the future and just literally like everything in this movie is hilarious in how like it's like a rudimentary version of what would become real life like in terms of like um the way the kids like live streaming his high school experience the way that like you have um like the the killer motivation basically to make themselves famous like exactly the only way to get famous on the internet and there's like everything about it is so fucking spot on in the 2020s in a way that it was not in the 2010s nah yeah um i share patrick's sentiments exactly uh, i was incredibly excited for new scream i was like yeah scream is back baby uh, and they're all back. You got Sydney there, the, the the great Nev Campbell. You got Dewey. You got Gail. And then you got an exceptional cast too. Like th- this this cast is just like I know like we talk about the, the the first film's cast, how great they are. But you know, considering the fact that you know we have uh, uh, Adam Brody, uh, Adrian Brody's brother. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> that's not accurate. I was like, I am pretty sure that's not true. Right, right, right. Uh, you got, <laughs> he, uh, the son of Chief Brody from Jaws. <laughs> yes. Um, you got Anthony Anderson. You got uh, Mary McDonald in there. Um, you got uh, Emma Roberts, uh, who, who, who slays. Um, yeah, it's funny how, like, she is picked up, like, it's, like, I have never, I want to say, because I think it was funny, it's, like, I feel like the other thing with this movie that kind of holds it back, or held it back, because it didn't really, it wasn't, really, like, that successful when it came out. No. Um, but, like, um, it was basically because, like, they released it at the exact wrong time, whereas, like, by the time they released Scream 5, it was, like, all these, like, kids that had, like, grown up with Scream were now old enough to go to Scream movies, like, they were in, like, their, like, teens and 20s. Um, whereas at this point they were not, but like all those fucking, like you see on Twitter constantly, like the cult of like Jill, <laughs> like it's, yeah. it's actually, it's, it's, it's impressive to see. I don't know if there's any killer in this franchise <laughs> that is like more beloved than that one, except for maybe the OGs. And yeah. that's still, it's very close. <laughs> like it's terrifyingly close. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, the, like, I think, I think the only other person who has, um, uh, uh, a thorough hive behind them is fucking Kirby, uh, played by Hayden Panettiere. Um, Which does course- make sense. I, I mean, you, you can't, like, I mean, basically, you did, as much as they're trying to make, um, like, Charlie the Randy of the piece, yeah. um, if we're being completely honest, it's like Kirby is kind of like, what if Randy was a hot chick? <laughs> so it's like, of course that character was going to be popular. <laughs> of course. No, but like I think Kirby uh, sticks out because I was like Randy seemed to be the fucking like f- from the very beginning he was just like the film bro. Um, whereas Kirby, like you know, like Kirby's that, that that type of person where it's like you know came into it late. You know, like you know, like you know, you always want to like you have someone who's not into like horror movies or like, like a certain specific movie, like, you know, uh, genre or whatever. 
and then you turn them on to it, and then it's just full steam ahead with them. You know what I'm saying? Where they 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 get hooked like that. Kirby's that type of character, like you know that that that, that we all like dream to, to to meet. Where it's just like we could be the ones. that was like, oh, you never seen this? Oh, you got to watch this. And then they watch it, and it's like I have to see more. And it's like Kirby is that type type of character to where it's almost like, you know what I'm saying? She's matching Charlie. You know what I'm saying? Uh, and, and you know what I'm saying? Where almost like you know what I'm saying? Like she basically becomes. Past Charlie, you know, up to Randy status and shit, and it's like I think that's why she's so beloved. You know what I'm saying? And like, yeah, like Kirby was just like, I I, I love her immediately. You know what I'm saying? And you know what I'm saying? Hayden Panettiere's uh, performance as her is just great. Um, but also uh, wanted to shout out uh, um, the the like you know we we have all, all, all our returning characters, all these great new characters. But then we have the national treasure that is Marley Shelton in the cast. <laughs> uh, goddamn, Marley Shelton is a national treasure, and this is like back to back discussing uh, Marley <laughs> Shelton because we talked about her last time on uh, Valentine, and it's like, goddamn, I just love Marley Shelton. <laughs> yes. Yeah, like I, I, I love Marley Shelton. Like you know, of course she's fucking uh, Wendy Peppercorn. You know what I'm saying? Uh. And then, like, you know, she was in Valentine. She was in um, Grindhouse, uh, Planet Terror, specifically. Um, just uh, Sugar and Spice. Just got a shout-out. You know what I'm saying? The woman is just a national treasure, and she deserves all the, the good fortunes in the world. And, um, I mean, I, I don't know how much I appreciate them trying to make her a red herring. And it's like, how dare, <laughs> how dare you? How dare you try to make us suspect that it's the great Marley Shelton is, is the killer, you bastards. I, I mean, would... to be fair, I feel like they make basically everybody a red herring at one point or another. It's like, even like they like kind of imply um, Eric Knudsen's character is like, I mean, cause they, they, they basically like they're trying to throw you off the entire time. I mean, like, one thing that I will say, like, uh, that was like the film bros in general in this one, like, I don't think they are like, they aren't beloved but i love them mostly because i think rory culkin is the second best culkin after curing culkin um who now everybody loves a succession i have loved him <laughs> since uh dangerous lives of Alter boys back in the day um but curing culkin is great rory culkin is equally great in his own way and also a very handsome gentleman like you don't completely like he's he's nerdy and looking enough that you buy him as like a cinema dude but also like I mean, he, he's a handsome. He's a handsome little fella. So like, uh, he, the, he, has, he he earns his place in the film. I, I'm happy with like, yeah. He's like, we we need to shout him out. I feel. No, no, yeah, yeah, most definitely. And 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 that's that's an issue I have because I feel like he's too handsome to pull off. Fucking like, you know. Uh, no, uh, he is handsome, but his performance. He's like, he is awkward enough that I do buy him. No, like, see, that's the thing. It's like, it's like the argument with uh, Andrew Garfield as Peter Parker in Amazing Spider-Man. It's like, there's no way that that man is not getting any chicks in high school as good looking as he is. Like, you know, he's got that vibe to him, and it's like, no, like, even if he was incredibly awkward, um, that that man is getting chicks because he's got the long hair and he's good looking. You know, he's got that loner vibe attitude and shit, but, like, he's also very charming. Like, yo, he, he he's swimming in vagina in, in, in that school. <laughs> I, I don't buy it. I don't buy it one bit. Like, that, uh, 
you know what I'm saying? That that he's just not getting any puss and shit in, in high school and shit. <laughs> I don't. I, I really don't. I, I really don't. That's bullshit. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? <laughs> I, I mean... I can't disagree with you, but I do think, like, I do think he scrapes enough of, like, that sheen off of himself in his, like, general vibe that I can buy him being awkward enough. Because even, although I will say, um, he is more charismatic than the guy who's basically, like, um, the whole, like, Jill's uh, ex-boyfriend. Oh, yeah, yeah, like, whatever. Trevor, that yeah. Dude, <laughs> that dude is, like, I guess kind of handsome. But like not that charming at all. So like to be fair, I guess I will. I I can't argue with you in the sense that like Rory Culkin, like it it it, it he, it's, it's no contest. In which one of them would be like the more interesting in like really any situation, but especially in this film in terms of like sex appeal. Is all I'm saying. Yeah, like and the, 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 he's another character because like, I mean, for first let me let me let me explain myself. Um. Like, like as I stated, uh, um, I was very excited for, for this film when it first came out, and then I went to see it, and I was just like, "It's fine," you know. It, it just it just felt off, and it was just like, "I'm sorry, Kevin Williamson, but uh, I doubted you." I I was like, uh, "He doesn't have it. He doesn't have it for this generation." Um, and then I, I I rewatched it for the purpose of this discussion, and I'm like, "Holy shit!" Was I wrong? Like, it, it was just like, I don't know, because I've seen it quite a few times since I, I first saw it. But it, it is my least watched screen film, even with five out. I've, I've watched five more times than I've watched. Four. Oh, I, yeah, no, I've watched five a shitload of times. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, but like, for, 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 for this rewatch, you know what I'm saying? I was like, everything is just hitting right now. Like, it, it, it never, like, Everything from the first time and like every subsequent time after that was everything was just going over my fucking head. It was just like, you know, what I'm saying it, it just it just wasn't hitting me like the other screams were, and but like it was like this time it finally clicked. You know what I'm saying? And I was just like, oh my god! And then like you know what I'm saying I had that thing you said in my head where it's just like with that you said where you know what I'm saying um, the foresight of Kevin Williamson. You know what I'm saying? Like back then, to, to to you know, just basically, like it was like, because when the first scream came out, it's like he had his finger on the pulse of like the American team. You know what I'm saying? But it was like he had his finger on the pulse of the teens of the future when when this movie was made. Like this movie was made in like what 2010, and it came out 2011. But it was like, like he he predicted the future and shit, and like how serious kids nowadays would will do anything to be to go viral to to be like like tiktok famous and all that shit and it's like holy shit does this man get it and like that's with jill with charlie it's almost like he set the path for them to follow when they did scream five because the scream five killers are basically charlie yeah i mean you know, say their obsession with the stab movies is basically what fucking sends them on to this whole fucking thing. And I mean, in this case, he's manipulated by Jill. You know, saying to a certain extent, you know what I'm saying? Not to a certain extent. Like he is so, very like, clearly manipulated by Jill. Oh yeah, no, yeah, yeah. He's very <laughs> yeah, he very clearly is and shit. But like, you know, he he's thinking like 
like you know you have that great scene where it's probably my favorite scene in the movie where uh they're recreating the whole Casey Steve Orr thing and he's questioning her about like the fucking remakes and shit and she basically just starts rattling them off like you know what I'm saying <laughs> yeah you know what I'm saying it's just like you know like you know what I'm saying the, the way she's just fucking hitting like she hit all like this 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 that you know the dawn of the dead <laughs> fucking like you know say all the titles and shit and then i'm like god damn they did really did remake everything in that era didn't they oh uh, yeah <laughs> like the, and, 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 <coughs> and we talked about it before it's like yeah no like i mean there's definitely gonna be some we cover because there were some that were really good yeah, I, yeah. Think that's, I think what's funny about this was it was like they were trying to comment on that they, they're trying to comment on like remakes taking over everything and like it was almost like the like the whole motivations were almost like an afterthought, but it's like as time has gone on, it's just like the remake thing is kind of like the way remakes were, where it's just like, it's like, oh yeah, that was a time that we lived. <laughs> like it's just like yeah. we're not there anymore. Um, but the other thing that they didn't even, I don't even know if they were paying attention to, was actually the much more interesting part. Like that was like the thing they're actually talking about that was tapping into something. Like, because yeah, yeah. the remake thing was like this low hanging fruit that, like, the thing they saw at the top of the tree turned out to be like the much more interesting thing. Yeah, it's weird too because I don't, I don't want to say much about Scream Five because you know we we yeah. still have to talk about it, but it's almost like it should have been the reversal because, like, you know, like you know, the, this whole thing is about the the remakes, and Scream Five is essentially that. Where, th- where this one is like, you know what I'm saying, where they talk about, and, and that one they talk about the requels. And it's like, the, the way, like, Williamson plays with his own, like, little genre that he created, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Um, where it's like, you know, you have the Stabathon uh, get together, and, like, they basically say, like, you know, oh, that's the false ending, you know what I'm saying? And, like, you know, this is the, the, the real climactic uh, thing, and it's like, the, the brilliance of Kevin Williamson, that man, you know what I'm saying? It's just like, holy shit, dude. Like, you know, and I'm sitting there and I'm watching. I'm like, Jesus Christ, dude. I'm so sorry. I doubted you. You know what I'm saying? Like, like I, I really didn't pick up. You know what I'm saying? I, you, you know, and I think a lot of it has to do with the fact that we have Scream 5 to work off on. You know what I'm saying? To see, like, to cross-reference. And then, you know what I'm saying? It's like, yeah, like that, this, that, uh, like a fucking puzzle and shit, mixing, matching, and all that shit. And I'm just like, yeah, Kevin Williamson, God bless you. You're a genius, sir. And I'm sorry I ever doubted you. <laughs> no, because my, my whole thing is like when they were first like coming out, I was like, basically, um, release order is kind of the way I would go, where I would just like one, two, three, four. And then I was like, as time has gone on, I was like, I put four ahead of three, and um, which is still the case, but um, I would put um, five after one and two now and above four. But still, um, I think, again, like I just like, I think four is accidentally, even though I do think that there are elements of it that I think were kind of like, because I remember even sitting in the theater being really annoyed with like the opening scene within the opening scene within the opening scene thing. I was, I was like, I was, I was like, yeah, no, you're really far up your own ass. Like you're really, really far up there, bro. Like I was just like, 
I get what you're doing, but I don't like it, and I'm not having a good time. Like, I was just like, this was cool, and then you shifted, and then I was just like, and then you shifted again. I'm like, Jesus fucking Christ, pick a goddamn opening scene. I don't care which one you pick, just pick goddamn one of them. And they even address it in the movie, when it's just like, is this one the opening? Yeah. Like, I'm just like, yes, because this was stupid. Like, I was just like, this was very, very dumb. So yeah. it's like, but it's like, they were so far up their own ass that it was like where you kind of ended up. And, but it's like, I, I will say though, to, I will, I'm not going to completely blame, because I still to this day don't know for sure what was, because I know that, I guess what was supposed to happen by Wes's own admission was it was supposed to be the return of the original, like, brain trust. Like, it was going to be uh, Kevin Williamson writing, Wes Craven directing. And then somehow in the process, and I don't to this day know exactly what was what, um, there was clashes with the Weinsteins, and um, Aaron Kruger was brought back um, to, like, play with the script in some ways. Yes, it's fair. Um, <laughs> and I don't know, I'd say I don't know what's what, but I do know that um, Kevin Williamson has said in recent times that it's basically his. They were like, he's like, the structure is mine, the themes are mine. Like, so it's like, I will not completely lay things at Kevin Williamson's feet because I don't know exactly what is his and what isn't. But I do, to some extent, feel like it is still basically his and Wes's. Um, but it's also why I feel like this kind of had to be the last ride of these two. Because like I feel like, as we talked about with the Scream 3 episode, like, the story was over. Like, you had done a complete story in 1, 2, and 3. Like, there was no reason for this to even exist. And then it was like, you brought it back with the original team. And it was like, as you and I both have just said, it was just like, it was like, it's fine. Like, it's as time has gone on, time has been very kind to it. Yes. And it has made it that much better. But, like, it's that was the whole thing. And then by the time you see Scream 5, where it's a completely new team with people who, like, grew up on it, it's like, okay, so this is kind of the way it had to happen. I was like, because that thing is like, I love Kevin Williamson. And, like, um, Christ, we just did the sick episode. Like, it shows that he still has chops. Like, he still yeah. knows what he's doing. And I don't think Wes ever lost it, per se. No. But, like, I just feel like it was um, like Scream 4 was always, like, it's also, it's also, I still don't know what the fuck they were going for. Because the whole thing was, they talked about Scream 4 was the start of a new trilogy. And I was like, I genuinely don't know where they were going from here. Yeah. Like, they did not seem to believe any threads there. Because, like, they killed off killers. Like, they, I don't know what the hell the plan was for the future. Um, so, like, that's in and of itself is weird. But I also feel like it had to be, it's like, this is a weird kind of orphan movie in a lot of ways. Because it was like... It, it, it wasn't supposed to exist. Like, it was like, it was like 10 years after, well, 10 years and change after Scream 3 came out. And they were like, let's do another one. Those all made money. And then it was like, this one didn't. So they didn't touch it again for like another decade. And then by the time they did, it was like, let's get new people and then you got what you got. Um, whereas this was a situation where it was kind of like, you can definitely tell that it was like, as I said, like they're kind of, they had disappeared of their own ass and were kind of doing things to like make it interesting for themselves, which is fine. 
but it wasn't super interesting for me as an audience member. So it's like, I do, there is, I said, I like, I like it a lot now and I like it a lot more than I used to, but like, there are definitely like things about it that still bother me. Just less so than like Scream 3. <laughs> Cause what you're rewatching Scream 3 and is like, I'm just like, wow. Like I thought this was like just as good as like one and two boy, was I wrong. Um, whereas like <laughs> four, I had the opposite where I was just like, I remember this being like so far beneath like one, two and three. And then it's like, no, it's not. Like I was like, it's definitely not at the caliber of one and two, but I was like, I would say it's better than three. Um, and it's like, it's, it's, I don't know. It's like, cause you, cause you mentioned the cast. And I was like, the new thing, the cast actually is probably its greatest asset in a lot of ways. Um, because the way you presented it, the way like, it's like, it could have just been like another attempt at kind of milking this cow, but because like you wrote, you, you wrote these characters the way that they did. And then like you have this, like weird cast. Like this is like because he's like I don't think you can even like put into words like at this moment in time how fucking and we're spoiling it whatever uh how fucking weird it was to have Emma Roberts as the fucking killer when Emma Roberts was like famous based on like Aquamarine the fucking teen mermaid movie like and like Nancy Drew. So it's like the fact that like you cast these people in these parts, I also think kind of carried it really well because like in other hands, I feel like it could have been very easily fumbled, but because you made such weird choices in casting, you accidentally got something fucking amazing. <laughs> nah, yeah, yeah. Like, I mean, g going, going back to what you were saying about uh, the, op like the multiple openings um and, and it's weird too because it's like fucking lord of the rings instead of like uh, this, yeah. <laughs> this, this, this movie this movie won't end this, like scream 4 won't begin fuck yeah. <laughs> like like pick a fucking opening but it's like on this rewatch i'm like i liked it like i i, I liked it because it's like it's almost like you you're expecting that opening and kevin williamson kind of like fucking with himself you know what I'm saying? It's like you're expecting the, the 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 scream cold open. You know what I'm saying? And then it's like, uh, yeah, oh yeah, you like that one? Well, like, and it's like, and like it starts off and like the first one is 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 cool, but it like feels a bit abrupt. And then like fucking Anna Paquin and shit and um and in Kristen Bell, aka yeah. Veronica Mars, my beloved. I'm, <laughs> I'm I'm glad you said her name because I was just straight about to call her Veronica Mars and shit. Like, I would have been okay with that. <laughs> like 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 I'm like I, I I I keep forgetting her actual name because I only remember her as Veronica Mars. It's I mean, like, my I, niece only knows her as Anna, so it's fine. <laughs> I, I I I don't even know what, what that is. I just know, I just know that that's Veronica Mars. You know what I'm saying? That's that's Veronica Mars right there. And then like that one is just like like almost like well, what the hell is this? Yes. You know, and Anna Paquin is just like talking all the shit. Um, and, and, and it's funny too is because that's another thing because Anna Paquin sound uh, like whatever character she was fucking playing. Um, 
she sounds like fucking like the, like the, these fucking horror people and shit that just hate everything. Yeah. Oh, we just wit- we just witnessed this the fucking death of horror right there. And it's like how many times did we fucking hear that? Um, whenever like like how many times did we hear that as shit when Halloween Ends came out? Yeah. The fucking death of horror right there. And the sh- shut up. You know what I'm saying? I'm I'm, I'm glad Veronica Mars killed you because you sound like <laughs> one of, you sound like one of them douchebags. <clears throat> and then, um, the real opening happens and all that stuff, and it's like, and then I, I like how Homegirl was like, uh, well, if uh, uh, Stab Six is the beginning of Stab Seven, does that mean Stab Five is the beginning of Stab Six? And then what is the beginning of Stab Four? And she's like, you're overthinking it. Am I, or did they underthink it? <laughs> you know what I'm saying? And it's like, that's fair. <clears throat> and, you know, like, and then, like, you know, like, they them getting into the Stab series real quick. Um, well, which one is they said the Stab 5? Is the Stab 5 they say got into time travel? I don't um, remember, but that wouldn't, that wouldn't surprise me. Yeah, I can't remember. Because I do remember, like, that's only what they describe with different Stabs. I was just like, oh, dear God, that was so... It's like, well, although I will say, the one thing they do kind of establish, I still think it's funny, is that, like, um, you basically made a slasher series about a real-life crime, <laughs> crime spree. Like, that's so weird to think about in, like, real life, where it's like, oh, hey, like, let's, like, take Ted Bundy killed X amount of... Or, like, John Wayne Gacy, whatever... It's like, let's make a movie about it. Like, and then let's make a sequel, another sequel. Another, like, it was like, let's make them into a horror icon. Like, that's such a weird idea. <laughs> I mean, well, it does It does happen. Um, look at fucking uh, Henry, Portrait of a Serial Killer. No, no, I'm not saying it doesn't happen, but usually not like franchises. Like, it's, it's not like it's like when they make like fucking six of them. Oh, yeah, no, yeah. The, the, uh, this is action, but uh, look at fucking... Uh, Jarhead, uh, like Jarhead was a movie about the uh, based on like it was a movie based on a book about one guy's experiences during a desert storm, and then they decided to turn it into a director video franchise and shit where every sequel was just like some fucking like action movie and shit. And it's like, what a weird thing to take this guy's <laughs> experiences in the military and war and shit and just say, hey, let's turn this into an action series, you know what I'm saying? With, we got we got Cole Hauser in part two and Scott Atkins in part three. You know what I'm saying? It's like okay, you know what I'm saying? So it's like it, it makes sense and shit. Like fucking producers and shit. Like you know they see, you know we we have a fucking you know like a property and shit that we could make sequels out of. And it's like you don't have something else that doesn't have to do with someone's <laughs> real life experiences. And then in this one, like they explain like. And in the real opening, the, the 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 girl explains it was like, well, the original trilogy was about Sydney Prescott, but she was like, she's too if they kept using her story and shit, so they just started making up their own shit. And part five had time travel, you know what I'm saying? And it's like, you could tell that's Wes, like also taking a shot at the fucking yes. nightmare and what they yeah. did with his, you know, he was trying to make the you know this real grody horror movie and shit, and then they fucking turned it into whatever throughout the rest of the series. But like you could also say that's. You know, essentially, what they do with most horror franchises. Um, I mean, we've spoken about how much we love it, and you know how it's actually pretty important to this franchise we're talking about right now. But like, when they turn Jason to, to an actual fucking zombie, and Jason lives, 
or when they introduced the cult of Thorn and fucking uh, Curse of Michael Myers and shit. But it's just like, there's always one sequel in a horror franchise where it's like, okay, we're just going to jump the fucking shark here. We're going to nuke the fridge. We're just going to lose our fucking minds. Okay, <laughs> okay, but I don't like you implying that it was Jason Lives that did that, where I was like, if we're going to do that with Friday, I feel like if we're going to be fair about this, it was two. At the very least, okay, no. Um, Dude, Jason was a, a, a child who drowned, and then he becomes the fucking icon of the series. He was a yes. dead child. He was dead. He was Tom Savini himself did not return for part two because he's like, this is stupid. Like, we love this franchise, and he calls us stupid to this day for loving this franchise about a child who was dead who comes back to for fucking 87 more movies. This is Tom Savini. <laughs> he's calling us fucking morons. <laughs> yes. But he has made some questionable choices in his career, so I'm not going to take it personally. I would say if anything jumped the fucking shark, it would be probably Jason Goes to Hell, um, just by virtue of the fact that, like, I, I want to say Jason X, but at least Jason X, I think, was intended to be, like, tongue-in-cheek, and then it's yes. just directed too seriously by accident. Whereas Jason Goes to Hell was just like... Oh, uh, we're going to get there, but I have so many thoughts. But I was just like, that, if we're going to point to anything jumping the shark, that's the one that I would point to in the Friday franchise. No, yeah, I give you that. I give you that. Because that one is like, hey, you know what the uh, the Friday the 13th franchise needed? Body hopping. <laughs> the fucking Nepro- Necronomicon and the Kondarian Dagger. And it's like, no, we didn't need that at all. No, but th- th- thank you, thank you for trying. But no, we 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 did not need to have one fucking bit. Anyways, um, no, but I, I I like that he's he's Williamson is is looking back at himself and she's like, almost like he's having fun with himself, but also kind of like, what have I done? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, because that means I will say. It is a chance to kind of do that just by virtue of the fact that, like, because I feel like that's kind of the thing that they eventually kind of get into into five, but like it started here where it's like um, kind of addressing. Because I mean, I guess they technically started with like three, because I mean, um, three was kind of addressing it to some extent, but like um, the using basically examining the effect of the Scream franchise on the horror genre. Yeah. within the Scream franchise, um, which I feel like you have to do. Like, you can't do a movie that's that focused on the genre and not in some way address the effect that the, like, original especially, but, like, really that entire franchise has had on genre. So, like, I definitely don't begrudge him for it, but I do, I always, always felt he should have gone further into, like, addressing the way that, like... Um, because this one's basically basically going after remakes, which is fine. Um, but I was like, I don't love the fact that he never went after all the Scream ripoffs. Because <laughs> I was like, that was fucking the lowest hanging fruit. And you just fucking didn't even touch it. Like, it was right there. And you just ignored it. That bums me out to this day. Um, yeah. He, he, <laughs> de- he, de- he definitely missed that. I mean, I, I, I mean, th- 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 he... 
it's almost like he he would have had to have taken a shot at himself because he is respond he is responsible for one of those screen ripoffs. Yes, yes. Uh, you know what I'm saying? That uh uh got itself a little franchise in itself and shit. And uh, then arguably the best screen ripoff, arguably, arguably, arguably the best, arguably. You're making that face, I'm saying arguably. <laughs> um but no, I mean, that thing is like, I definitely like, I do think that's the whole thing about this one was it was just like, I feel like it should have happened honestly in three, um, because that was the, I think that was the, that was the moment to do it. Yeah. Um, whereas this, I feel like that's like going after remakes. I'm like, that definitely is fair. But I was like, there's like, it's like, there's like a missing movie there that I kind of wish was there where like you could have gone after that. Yeah. It's like, it's a, yeah, it's like, um, once upon a time in Mexico. Yeah. Where it's like it's almost like it was made uh, intentionally to like to have like almost feel like it was there, there was a movie missing, you know, because there's El Mariachi, there's Desperado, and there's Once Upon a Time in Mexico, and there's like there's a movie missing there, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like yeah, there, there, there's like a fucking, uh, um, you know, what I'm saying like something that is supposed to go on between there and shit, and it's like, yeah, he definitely. Miss like I mean because like it's it's fair uh, it, like he could have taken ill shots at like all the movies that came out in in the wake of Scream and all that shit but then it's like yeah he would have have to have taken a pot shot at himself and shit because he is responsible for one of them um it is what it is you know what I'm saying but uh like yeah um can I just say real quick though that uh. I, I think out of out of all five movies, this is the best Nev Campbell as Sydney has ever looked. <laughs> okay, that's fair enough. I mean, I mean, like, I would say two personally, but like, I, I'm not necessarily. I don't. I feel weird about ranking the attractiveness of Nev Campbell from film to film. Like, well, like, <laughs> like, no, like, yeah, like, you know, what I'm saying so, like. You don't have to. I'll do it so you don't have to. Um, (laughs) (laughs) I'll be the creepo. (laughs) Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, Nev Campbell is obviously a gorgeous woman. Um, But, uh, like, there's something about, like, the way she wears her hair. And, like, you know, she's got the, like, that, you know, that older lady fucking long sweater jacket thing that she's got going on that... She she wears all the fucking time in this movie for some reason, um, but like yeah, that's like an older lady thing, you know. what I'm saying they they walk around with them long fucking sweaters, um, and like you know her hair is so silky smooth looking, you know. what I'm saying and it's just like, yeah, man. But also it's like, like out of I mean, Sydney Prescott is one of the if not the, I mean I know you disagree because I know you have your favorite final girl. Um, but Sydney is one of like the the top greatest final girls ever. I would and, disagree with that. Uh, no, I'm I know not you're not gonna disagree with that. Like I'm, I'm saying, disagree with like you know putting your, her top. Your, your play, I say the, the, your your placement of the top. I would say she's up there. Like to me, like my top is Lori, and my probably second place is um, Nancy. But like. Sydney is up there. Like, I'm not, she's in the rarefied air. I'm not saying that she's like the worst or like not even like mid tier. She's up there. She's at the top. She just isn't one of my top two, but she's fucking amazing. Right. I mean, I, Nancy's my number one. Um, 
I, I, I actually would give Sydney number two, then Laurie number three, and then uh, Rachel Carruthers from Halloween four. Um, number four, because I, I love that woman and fuck Halloween five for killing her off. <laughs> um, <laughs> I, I would never forgive that movie. <laughs> but um, I mean, like I said, we'll we'll get into it more when we get to Scream Five. But I love like the evolution of Sydney as a final girl because Sydney's always been a tough lady. You know what I'm saying? You know, she's never been one to like you know, like she'll run from the killer, but she'll she'll still fight that motherfucker. You know what I'm saying? But I one of my favorite scenes in this one is where um. Uh, Jill and Kirby's friend Olivia is getting killed next door. And uh, Sydney's like, oh my god, you know what I'm saying? Then she goes to get the cops, and they're not there for some reason. So she's like, fuck this. I'll get that motherfucker myself. And then she just runs next door and starts fucking uh, throwing them each other down the stairs and shit and fucking each other up. And it was like, look at my girl Sydney go. You know what I'm saying? It's like, how could you hate her? How could anybody not like oh, Sydney? Yeah. It's no, just no, like I mean, there is definitely there's I would say in terms of this like straight up agency, um, she's definitely up there with Lori in terms of like she'll she'll go. I mean, the, the, I think the only person that I would say is above her is Lori because Lori like basically built a fucking giant Michael Myers trap and lived in it for God knows how long. Right. Um, <laughs> but I was like otherwise. <laughs> um, I would say Sydney is probably the most agency for the reasons you said, where it's like she doesn't really like run from Ghostface as much like the series at the beginning is her running from Ghostface but as it goes on is basically like more and more of her going at Ghostface yeah so, like where you see like the that's why like the one thing that didn't bum me out about um her not being in Scream 6 was I was like I feel like Scream 5 is kind of the peak of like what <laughs> like she should be right, right, right. She, at that point she's like basically just like quit from Jaws yeah. <laughs> like as a final girl like I think like the only place past that is Lori living in a giant fucking Mile, Michael Myers trap. Um, is Sydney just basically making like a fucking compound to trap ghost faces in? It's pretty much the only place to go from there. Um, but no, I definitely think, um, and I think a lot of that is also um, Nev in general, and like the way that like it's funny because like a lot of her characters and that she's kind of better known for aren't really like she played like, the sweet girl a lot, and she's good at it. Um, I think it was because of Party of Five or whatever, um, which yeah. I to this day have never seen. Um, but, like, I also think that, like, she's proven time and time again that she actually has so much more going for her than that. Um, and, like, because, Christ, like, look at, like, uh, like Wild Things. Like, her yeah. character in Wild Things is not anything that like, you would really anticipate for her from, even at that point in time. Like, it's just so different. And then, like, in this movie... Um, it's cool because again, it's like I feel like it's kind of the case with all, all of the different extent, except for um, she is the one that approaches it in the smartest <laughs> way. Whereas like Gail just keeps kind of going at Ghostface, basically kind of like thrusting herself into Ghostface's path, basically so that she can write another book. But she's doing it in the dumbest way, where like she survives by like accident. <laughs> like it's just yeah. like, and like Dewey doesn't really take it properly seriously. Like when Dewey should just like I do like I feel like. I will say Dewey's arc by five is very like every step makes sense. Like I was like, I definitely will follow all of that to its logical conclusion. And that's kind of the same thing with, I feel like with Sydney where it's like everyone is kind of like a building period. 
And I would say, I guess it's to some extent true of Gail, but Gail's thing is also like that character does not learn or grow ever. <laughs> like the character always was like the same self-serving bitch that she was at the beginning. She just continues to be with more and more scars as the series goes on and yeah. like near death experiences. Yeah. I, I gotta say, uh this probably is my favorite version of Gail in the entire series. Um, you know, Gail just like she's feeling like she's 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 not she's not in it anymore, you know what I'm saying? She's got writer's block and all that shit. And like she's kinda having to find that edge that she used to have, like, you know what I'm saying, when she was the, the bitchy reporter. You know what I'm saying? It's like uh my my favorite Gail moment is when uh, she walks up to she walks up to Charlie and um what's the fucking name of his friend? The uh, fucking Robbie. Yeah, yeah. Oh, makes sense. But, uh, <laughs> I, I, I forget the name. Your own name. Yeah, I forget the I forget the namesake. <laughs> but um, she was like, hey, like you know, like uh, hey, we get an impromptu interview. Could you turn the little thing off? Oh, I can't live stream. I can't do that for my fans. Turn that fucking thing off. Oh right, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> yeah, it's like, oh god, I love Gail in this movie. Like when when she tells uh um Sydney's uh, uh press agent for her book, the fucking um the uh, luminous Allison Brie of oh yeah <laughs> yeah also uh, uh uh Dave Franco's wife yes <laughs> yes the, the the superior the superior Franco brother. Um, and also the star of Glow on Netflix, which criminally was canceled before its ending. <laughs> I mean, it's it's like it's it's not like we we could shit talk Netflix about it because it's like <laughs> this is something they they do and they've done for years. So it's like we could say fuck you, but it's like no, it's, this is what you do. So it's just like yeah, fuck you. But you know, whatever. Um, yes, watch Glow, it's a terrific show. Um, but yeah, it was like when she was like, uh, oh, like your tarnished brand. So I'm about to rearrange your face with with my tarnished brand. Oh, I still got it. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> and, and it's like, yeah, Gail, this is my favorite version of Gail. Um, like, it, I, I like, I like Gail in one and two, not so much in three, it's because of those bangs are terrifying. <laughs> Um and, and she's she's cool in five and shit, but like yeah, this is my all time favorite version of Gail ever. You know what I'm saying? Like like it, I mean, I don't want to say much because you know what I'm saying, like the logical conclusion of their relationship is in five. Um, but I love how like the you know the ever ascending, you know, relationship between her and Sydney, you know what I'm saying? Like like how they hate each other. Uh, in fucking well, they don't hate each other. Like Gail was basically just like, well, whatever, you know what I'm saying? I gotta do what I gotta do, you know what I'm saying? Because I'm a reporter. And Sydney's on like, fuck you, you bitch, you fucking threw my mother under the bus and all that stuff. And and then like you know, they're kind of just like whatever in two, and it's awkward in three, and four. They just kind of like, yeah, we gotta work together, you know what I'm saying? But I guess you're cool. And then in five, you know what I'm saying? Like you know. But uh, I won't say nothing to shit because we'll basically pick it back up when we get to five. Well, I mean, uh, I, I feel like it's like the kind of the whole thing with like their relationship is it's almost like 
Um, like it's almost like speaking of like Jarhead, it's like it's like people that have been to war together, and it's like they don't necessarily like each other, but they're always be bonded by virtue of the fact that like they keep fighting together over and over again. Like they keep having these experiences with Ghostface and like whatever. So it's like even if they didn't like each other, like they're still like they have this deep bond between them by virtue of just the fact that like they keep having these experiences or they keep having to like repel ghost faces and like the, the forces of evil and darkness from the world. Yeah. 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 Totally. Totally. Um, let's, uh, I know, I know we were, we already spoiled it cause who the fuck cares? Um, <laughs> this movie's what? 12 years old by this point. Yeah. Oh, almost 12 because yeah. this came out in April of 2011. Um, but yeah, I was not suspecting Charlie. I I may have had like he could be, you know what I'm saying? But like you know, I don't want to be like uh you know a Culkin brother, you know <laughs> the second best Culkin brother, no less. <laughs> I mean, I'm like, yo, you said that, and I'm like, damn, do do. Do you just totally disregard McCully? No, no, completely? McCully is number three. He's number three. He's 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 the star of Saved and The Home Alone. Like I, I just I, I like Rory is by far the best. I'm sorry, I was that's not true. Kieran is by far the best. Rory is by far the second best. McCully is the third best. But Kieran was in really rad movies, and now is Roman fucking Roy. So it's like Kieran is the top of the fucking food chain as far as the Culkins go. And then Rory is like second on that, like on that mountain. Like it is like Macaulay has made so many bad choices. <laughs> you, you, you and Morgan with that fucking succession show. Hi, Morgan. Um, <laughs> like, yeah, like all oh, the fucking Roy's and all that shit. And it's like, yeah, like you, when fucking an episode comes on, it's like fucking. Uh, the Roy's this and Kieran Culkin that. And I'm like, I have no idea what the fuck you guys are talking about. Not a fucking clue, because uh, I never watched that show. The whole like, time I started watching it because it was like because fucking Kieran Culkin was in it. And I always liked Kieran Culkin. I was like, I think he's fucking amazing. And I was like, I mean, Christ, like in um, Scott Pilgrim, he's by far like, I mean, I guess I can't say by far, but he is by he's my personal uh, favorite part of Scott Pilgrim too. So it's like basically you put him in fucking anything. And he's fucking great. So it's like when they were like, hey, there's a new show coming out on HBO. I'm like, okay. It's like, it has Kieran Culkin. Oh my God! <laughs> Why am I not watching this right fucking now? Like, uh, I, you know, I've never actually seen Scott Pilgrim. Oh, wow. You, you're just missing out on life. I, I know, I know, I know. I know. Mac tells me all the time that's one of his favorite movies, uh, Scott Pilgrim. And he's like, hey, you gotta watch Scott Pilgrim. Um and I, and I have it because I bought it because he wanted to talk about it and um we just never talked about it. Um, I only know uh, I've never seen that fucking show and uh, what was that other what was it what you just saved the dangerous lives of Walter boys and that was his it, first big movie like as an adult because like originally he was like kind of just in Macaulay Culkin movies like he was um, Fuller Fuller Home Alone yeah. yeah. Um, and then by the time that he did, like, um, he did Dangerous Lives of Walter Boys, and, um, he did Igby Goes Down. Um, I know that he one. Was, yeah, and he that. was, like, he was, like, an actor, and I'm like, oh, fuck, this guy rules. And then, like, he kind of, like, I guess he had a whole thing where he was, like, I don't want to do things that I don't love. So, like, for a long time, he wasn't really doing 
movies or TV. And then he did Scott Pilgrim, and everyone was just like, oh my God, the guy's amazing. I'm like, no shit, right? And then it was like, and then he kind of went away again. Then it was just like, Succession came up, and everyone's like, this guy's amazing. I'm like, yes, I know. God damn it. I've been telling you this for literally decades. He's like exactly my age. Damn it. Is he? Is he? Holy yeah. shit. I think he's actually, you... I think he's exactly your age. I think he's born 84. So, like, he's a year, I think, younger than me. And Macaulay, I think, is a year older than me. Yeah. Holy shit. I, I, didn't, I didn't realize that. Uh, fucking, I'm the same age as Fuller. Um, <laughs> and and I love Pepsi, Pepsi, and I used to wet the bed, because um, <laughs> because of my love of Pepsi. <laughs> I will say though, like, um, I, I I don't think I've ever once, and I granted I don't really try to guess. Um, it's funny because like I think Scream is the only like who done it where I don't really try to guess the killer. Um, I just kind of go for the ride and like am prepared to be surprised at the end. Um, but yeah, I don't think even if I tried, I don't think I've ever guessed, except for the first one. Although I, I thought it was only half right. I talked about this before, where I was like, I watched it with my friend, and we both guessed like who the killer was going to be, and I guessed you, and he guessed Billy, and it was like at the end of it, we were both technically right. So, uh, but that was the only time I've ever been right in the entire history of that fucking franchise. Um, so I did not see Charlie coming at all, and I did not see Jill coming at all. Yeah, like, Jill was, like, just completely just, oh, holy shit, they got me. Because, like I said, I, once Kirby starts unwrapping, um, Charlie's restraints, I'm like, it's him. It's him. Like, like I had suspicions before, but I'm like, yeah, he's about to kill her, and I'm about to be mad. And then he fucking stabs her, and I'm like, I'm mad. You, you don't piss me off, Scream. You don't piss me off. Uh, but luckily, uh, as we know, Kirby survived because she's going to be in Scream Six. So God bless. Thank you, thank you for 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 resurrecting the great Kirby Reed. Uh, I mean, to be fair, is... you actually, I mean, you, every, like, we need to thank all those fucking Gen Z kids <laughs> because it's like those Gen Z kids who also weirdly love Jill, um, who have not shut up about Kirby for like years that brought Kirby back. Like, I give credit to all of our, like, all the horror Twitter kids that are like in their like early to mid 20s. I was like, I thank you for bringing Kirby back because it would not be possible without you. And I'm very confident <laughs> that, like, it would not surprise me if I don't know if she's coming back to life because that just seems unlikely. But I was like, if there's something with Jill in the future, it would not surprise me for that exact same reason. Yeah, like yeah, like they, there's I, I've seen a couple of Twitter accounts that are just like dedicated to Jill, like the best ghost face, J- Jill Roberts, and I'm like, uh, I appreciate, I respect your enthusiasm. But no, <laughs> but God bless you. But no, uh, she is not. Um, and uh, like and the funny thing is, enough, I, I think I remember us talking about uh, Jill in our, our, our lost pilot. <laughs> 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 Where it's like, and I, I, it's a thing I feel like is a problem. And I think we touched about it. Touched on uh, upon it in uh, our screw uh, where we talk about Scream Two, um, where it's like the series, so on and so forth. The, the Scream series has a thing 
where it's just like, and I guess this is all Matthew Lillard's fault. <laughs> yeah. Where it's like, it like his performances stew was so great that every Scream sequel tries to have a killer that recreates that kind of like like evil stew. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and it's like well, okay. To be fair, you say evil stew. I don't feel like evil stew is any more or less insane than regular stew. <laughs> like, it's yeah. like I don't think when he turns it on, it's all of a sudden it's not like Billy where it's like a, like a switch flips. Like yeah, yeah. And, and and I think that's the problem because it's like you 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 just can't fucking match Matthew Lillard. No, no, no. No, M- Matthew Lillard is just zero to a hundred, motherfucker, real quick. You know what I'm saying? And it's just like the demand is a national treasure for for that reason because it's like his level of acting is just like the sky's not even the fucking limit. This man hits fucking Pluto, man. He's gone with, with his fucking acting. Like that that that's why I say the greatest performance I've ever seen, the greatest piece of acting I've ever seen, Freddie Prinze Jr. deliver. Was in She's All That, where he acted like he did not find Matthew Lillard funny <laughs> during the big dance scene in the house. Yeah. You know when he's dancing to "Give It to Me, Baby," and like Freddie Prince Jr. is just looking at him all like you're embarrassing and like looking at him all mean and shit. And it's like that's Oscar worthy acting right there. <laughs> that the fact that he has to stand there and not find Matthew Lillard funny. You know what I'm saying? Give that man the Oscar for that performance right there. You know what I'm saying? But it's like, you know, like with Matthew Lillard, you know, he's given many great performances. Like, uh, of course, Shaggy in the Scooby-Doo movies, you know, to the point where it's just like he's become the quintessential Shaggy. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? To a lot. He voices it now in the cartoons. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Even I'll admit the SLC punk um is is a is a movie like uh i watched um it wasn't my it wasn't it wasn't my thing i'll admit it wasn't my thing but he was fantastic in it um i mean i mean because it's like uh, i i i I, slc punk is phenomenally important to me personally i'm just gonna put add that caveat in there real quick no that's 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 why i was trying to be as delicate as possible (laughs) with, with, with 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 my statement um, we did an episode on it on a House of Screams, and I was just like, "This movie's speaking fucking French to me." <laughs> you know, like everybody's all like, "Oh yeah, this movie's so important to me," and I'm like, Mac, even like, you know, what I'm saying, like Mac was like, "Oh, dude, this movie's so important to me," and I'm like, "This movie speaks nothing to me. It, it's just not for me." But I will admit, it's a good movie, and he's fucking fantastic in it. But his perform his performance is stew is iconic. It's legendary. Yes. And it's like it, it's cast a giant shadow over all all the ghost faces, because like you know, with the exception of three, you have to have two ghost faces in there, and then it's like you have to have one who's basically the stew of the situation, and it's like you motherfuckers are not Matthew Lillard. Um, so it's like I, I like the the person who comes closest to matching it. Of course, was uh, Timothy Oliphant, as we stated in our Scream Two episode. 
uh, Roman, whatever. Uh, <laughs> yeah. And what's funny is that uh, Jill in this situation is essentially the Billy because she's the mastermind. But she's basically doing stew. Yeah. And it's like. I'm pausing because I'm trying to figure out how to proceed. Because it's like. I think there's a reason for it. And I think it's mostly because. um, A. um, I mean, I think it's just the way it was written. But also, I think that. um, Like, Rory Culkin is a very specific energy. That isn't, it's very understated. Like, yeah. he's not somebody who's going to go over the top. Like, it's just not his thing. Right. Um, so it's like, I feel like it kind of had to, in terms of, like, the way, if you're doing a Billy and Stu thing, like, he kind of defaults to being the Billy because he's not going to go over the top. That's just not who he is as a person or a performer. Um, but also, I do think it was, <clears throat> to some extent, just the way that it was in terms of the writing of um jill being the one that is truly unhinged um and like she's the mastermind but she's a mastermind for a truly insane reason like it's like yes if you really break it down like she's probably the most straight up insane yeah of i mean maybe not all of them but she's sort of the top because i feel like Billy's reasoning as a mastermind makes perfect sense. Yes. Like Roman's Roman's makes perfect sense. Um, it's like when you get to like her, I mean, even two, like, I mean, uh, both of them, it makes sense. Yeah. Um, like when you get to her, it's like, it seems insane and it is insane, but it's also, as we have alluded to, not unrealistic in terms of the way people are now. Like, it's just like, cause there's people who would fucking probably literally kill to get famous on social media. And it's like, I feel like that's, I mean, like, I feel like that's a big part of the whole, and I, I don't mean to get this into like a dark fucking place, but like, I do feel like a big part of the reason that like in society where we keep having fucking horrifying violence in real life is because it gets covered in the media and people want their fucking 15 minutes of fucking fame and it's like, in her case, it's fucking insane, but I'm glad that she does play it the way she does, so it's in no way unclear that it's fucking insane. Like, there's, yeah. like, no way you can point to her and be like, yeah, no, she did nothing wrong. <laughs> like, there's not an argument you can make. Like, Jill Roberts did nothing wrong. No, she did so many things that were wrong. So many things, Rob. Oh, my God, yeah. Like, like, speaking on that, like, I literally seen uh, a few years ago a video where a dude shot, uh, uh, shot through his own cheek. Like, he loaded a gun and put it in his mouth and shot out of his cheek because he wanted to go viral. That was the only reason he did that shit. <coughs> he wanted to go viral. Man put a bullet through his cheek. Because he wanted to be internet famous. And it's like, yeah. This this fucking Kevin Williamson is is a fucking genius. A fucking psychic. Like, because he was able to predict the absolute insanity of these motherfuckers who were obsessed with internet fame. 
You know what I'm saying? And it's like, that's the, probably one of the most insane moments in the entire series where, you know, she stabs Sydney, she thinks she's killed her, and like she ki- killed Charlie and all this shit, and she's killed Trevor. And then she just starts fucking herself up. Yeah. She, she grabs his hand and uh, rips her own chunk of her hair out. She stabs herself. <coughs> and she scratches herself and she throws herself through the glass table. And it's like, Jesus, bitch. You're, <laughs> you're, you're fucking wild. You know what I mean? And, yeah, it's just... I mean, we're on social media all the time and shit, you know what I'm saying? Like, and obviously, you know, I mean, we're mostly there because, you know, we have a lot of friends on there, you know what I'm saying? We like keeping in touch with them, you know what I'm saying? And just like, you know, we share our thoughts here and there and shit, but these motherfuckers are just obsessed with the internet where they're on there 24-7 and it's just like, you know, that's who you are. You're Jill Roberts. You're a fucking mental patient. (laughs) Holy I mean, I will shit. say though, um, I do think it's um, the whole like the way they do it. Um, it bothered me more at the time than it bothers me now. But it's kind of funny that it's like um, the way that um, the movie wouldn't start. It's like it kind of has like the two endings where it's like it seems like it's the ending where it's like she essentially like feels like she wins, like she like her master like her master plan has come to fruition. And then it's like the movie keeps going, and it's like, what the fuck are we doing? Like, why is it still going? And then like they make like the reveal where it's just like, oh, like Sydney's not actually dead, and like blah blah. And then it like leads to like the actual ending, which bothered me more at the time than it does now. Now I do think it's kind of interesting, where it's like it's kind of like you have bookends of this movie, where it's like the beginning is kind of like this weird like puzzle box of like opening scenes and then the end is like basically like a, a, it's like a lock opening to another like ending so it's like it's this weird complicated thing but it's like a Chinese finger trap <laughs> like a movie um, which at the time bothered me but now I think it's kind of awesome um, but it's also why I think the Jill can't come back because they killed her pretty definitively <laughs> but like I guess we'll see I mean I feel like they killed Stu pretty definitively, but there's still the discussion. They, they were saying they were going to bring him back in three, and there's still discussion of bringing him back every time they talk about a fucking screen movie. So, like, who the fuck knows? Like, this motherfucker's head was pancaked <laughs> at the end. At the end of the first one, fucking Jill had her brain fucking turned into goo. Literally, Sydney took defibrillators. And shock this woman's this this girl's brain, like like her brain is fucking applesauce at this point. There is no way this girl is coming back. Stop it! Stop <laughs> trying to. This is not comic book. Stop trying to bring these motherfuckers back. Death, death is definite. In in, in this fucking. What what what? Go ahead, go ahead, go ahead. I'm just saying, in horror, you can't say that. You just can't. Like it's like, cause how many fucking times have like people been dead and like came back? So that's all I'm saying. Is like, you're saying it's not like comic books, and I'm like, that's fair. But it's also horror. You can't ever like say somebody's definitively dead because it's it's very much like comic books in terms of like because there's an element of fantasy in it. It's like. Why the fuck can't we bring back, like, Christ, Kirby? Like, Kirby was pretty, like, 
I, I mean, I don't think anyone thought that she survived. And then it was like, by sheer force of will of the fan base, Kirby lives. So, like, it's not impossible, is all I'm saying. That's, that's a good subtitle. Uh, <laughs> Scream 7, Kirby lives. You know what I'm saying? Um, yeah. Uh, I guess you're right. But, I mean, with this, I, I feel like with this series is different. You know what I'm saying? When, you, when you're when you dead, you're dead. Um, I mean, it's like, they tried to do that with Scream 3 and shit. It was like, oh, Randy didn't die. We just had him fucking stashed away at a fucking, uh, uh, what was it? The witness protection. And it was like, and then they were like, nah, nah, he's dead. He's dead. And good, because fuck Randy. <laughs> fuck you! I still argue that Randy lives. <laughs> Yeah, Randy lives only in your memories. <laughs> we'll see, son of a bitch, won't we? I mean, great at this point, I don't really know that I want this Jamie Kennedy back. So, like, I'm kind of okay with Randy being dead now. But, like, for a long time, I was very attached to the idea of Randy coming back. Yeah, you know, I was trying to do, I was trying to do uh, the end of the Road Warrior. Yes. It was like, uh, and Randy... That was the last you ever saw of him. He exists now only in your memories. <laughs> like you're the feral kid. Um, I will say, though, um, the kills in this one are still pretty rad. Like, even, like, years later. Like, I think, um, like, especially, like, um, by virtue of just the sheer brutality of, like, when they kill... Like Mary McDonald, like when they fucking stab Anthony fucking Mac or Anthony uh, Anderson in the fucking head. Like, there's so many fucking like impressive, memorable kills in this. That I feel like that's, that's kind of the thing that kind of I feel like would at the very least make it worthwhile, even if it didn't turn out to be weirdly prescient. Is that like it has some of the most weird, brutal fucking kills in the entire fucking franchise? Yeah. I, I love that, that that moment where after he gets stabbed in the head, he continues walking. Yes. For you know what I'm saying, and then uh, he just drops his head. Which uh, you know, this is why I appreciate uh, Wes Craven so goddamn much is because uh, he was always incorporating real life elements, and and everyone's like, oh, he fucking got stabbed in the head. He should have died right there. And, and it's like, no, like. Uh, that that's actually true because I read that somewhere. This motherfucker got stabbed in the head, and he continued to live for a little bit and shit before he actually died. And it's like Wes Craven always incorpor- incorporating the fucking worst things ever into his movies. You know what I'm saying? Uh, and goddamn, I miss Wes Craven. Yeah. Rest yeah. rest in peace. Rest rest in peace, my my friend. Um, I mean, we are getting into more West next week. Um, but, mm-hmm. uh, like, that's, that's a little preview for you. Um, but no, um, I do, I think the thing is, like, I, I think I will like mention like real briefly though. Like, I do think, um, despite the fact that like, there's a lot of like weird choices by virtue of the fact, like, as I'd mentioned before, where it's like, they were just kind of, I feel like they were like making it interesting for themselves and thinking it'd be interesting for other people, which at the time it was not, it became interesting as time went on. Um, but I still think this shows that like Wes, because this was not that long before he died. It was like a few years before he died. Um, yeah, like four still, years. Cause yeah. he died in like 
2015? It was, yeah, 2014 and 2015. I remember it was yeah. like not that long after. Um, but this was still him operating at the peak of his powers, where it's like, I definitely still think, like, it doesn't stand out as, like, the, like, because even at the time when I said, like, I was like, it wasn't, like, my problems with it weren't, like, the direction. <laughs> like, it was never, that was right. never my issue. So right. it's like, I definitely think that, like, Wes definitely deserves a lot of credit for managing to maintain, like, his level. But granted, he was kind of, like, not necessarily the most consistent director in general. Um, but, like, when he hit, he hit real fucking hard. And even that oh, yeah. towards the end of his life. So it's like, that's, that's fucking commendable as shit. Nah, yeah. Like, when he hit, he, he, he didn't just hit. He fucking changed the face of horror when he did yeah fucking uh in the 70s he had that one-two punch of last house on the left and the hills of eyes then in the 80s he gave us nightmare on elm street in the 90s he gave a scream i mean i don't think in the art he really gave us you know what i'm saying it could have been cursed but i okay i really like red eye but i mean no like... no I, I i do like red eye but it it, it wasn't like something that was a game changer or anything this Sorry. man had this man had has multiple game changers on his fucking resume like like i mean even you know what i'm saying with the four horsemen they all have one like carpenter of course our favorite has halloween um I was uh, Romero. I mean, people argue whether it's a uh, Night of the Living Dead or Dawn of the Dead. The two favorites. I give it to Night. I give it to uh, Dawn. <laughs> yeah, uh, Hooper, Texas Chainsaw Massacre. But Craven had multiple ones. Like that man changed the face of horror multiple fucking times. You know what I'm saying? It's just like. Goddamn, what a loss. You know what I'm saying? And it's just like, you know what I'm saying? Uh, uh, like, like you said, like, you know, he was hit or miss. But the, the, the fact that, you know what I'm saying, he had so, so many times where he came out, like, where he just fucking changed the face of horror. It's just like, you could forgive those misses. Oh, yeah. I absolutely do. I know. It's like, there's like, yeah, I wouldn't say I love all of his movies, but like, there is more movies that he made that I love than movies that I don't. Like, like one of his <clears throat> movies is my all-time favorite horror movie, and not and not just my all-time favorite horror movie. One of my all-time favorite movies in general. Yeah, you know what I'm saying. And obviously, you know what I'm saying. As I stated with Nightmare on Elm Street, so it's just like, you know, what a what a fucking loss. And you know what I'm saying. And it's like this was his last movie, and it's just like, I mean. Obviously, it, this is better than if his last movie would have been My Soul to Take, which is a movie I like. I to this day, I don't think I've ever seen it, so I don't have any opinion on it. I, I, I like I, I know people would think it's a piece of shit. <laughs> um, I think Erica, our friend Erica Wright, thinks it's a piece of shit. If I remember correctly, <laughs> we were talking about it once, and she was like, "Oh, to be yeah, fair, there are, there are movies that I absolutely love that Erica think are pieces of shit. So right, right, right. Salt, it's a grain of salt." <laughs> Right, 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 right. We're like, this is Erica we're talking about who thinks uh, uh, E.T. sucks ass and balls. <laughs> so, um, yeah. Uh, salt, salt, <laughs> yeah. Great of salt. 
Nah, you got a uh, fucking grain. You got to take a handful of that shit. <laughs> I love you, Erica. Uh, <laughs> you know but um, yeah. I mean, uh, was this the finest scream? No, but uh, it 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 was a, a damn good scream entry, and um. Our, our our man Wes Craven went out on his shield with it, so that's the, the that's the best thing I, I I could say about that. Okay, now it's time for my pick, and keeping with our um, bridge between movies. Uh, yeah, it's really weird. Like our bridge for every single one of them just happened to be a Stephen King. Stephen King. <laughs> <laughs> And like, yo, this this is not something we planned. No, <laughs> this, this just happened. Fucking like, you know, just you know, this is completely unintentional. It was it's just like the the the, the shit we had uh, thought about, and it's like, oh, this pairs well, and this pairs well, and this pairs well, and it's like, oh shit, we're pairing these these screams movies with with Stephen King stories, but. Uh, Continuing with uh, writers who are confronting uh, terrors when uh, returning to their old hometowns is Stephen King's Salem's Lot in this nice steel book I have here with this with this creepy fucking image, this terrifying image. Um, There's actually two different steel books. uh, there was one that had Barlow on the cover of it, and I didn't get that one, and I was pissed because uh, I love the look of Barlow in it. Obviously, because big <laughs> no shit. <laughs> being a big fan of uh, Nosferatu, um, but this one is equally as great because it has this creepy little shit on the cover tapping on the window, um, which is probably the most iconic scene in the film. Um. Like, like you, you talk to anybody who actually saw this fucking movie uh, when it first came out, because uh, this was actually a miniseries, a two-part miniseries that came out in 79, uh, actually directed by one of uh, the four horsemen that we mentioned, Toby Hooper, the great, the late great Toby Hooper. Um, and uh, you talk to anybody, was like, oh, yeah, that little kid tapping on the window, vampire kid, scared shit out of me, had nightmares, couldn't sleep. For weeks afterwards, oh man, I'm so terrified. I pissed my pants. My parent, my my father beat me. You know what I'm saying? Because 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 I went to bed. <laughs> and it's like I didn't see Salem's Lot until I was grown adult, but I've heard about it though. I I heard about it. You know what I'm saying? Um, I know this is this was Stephen King's second book. It was uh, yeah, I think yeah, so, yeah yeah it was uh was second published book, it was Carrie, and then there was Salem's Lot, and then afterwards was The Shining, um, so like, goddamn, like w- what a way to start off your fucking career, you know what I'm saying like I mean we all know Stephen King to be a fucking powerhouse of horror writing and all that stuff, but like Carrie, and Salem's Lot, and then The Shining, one two three like that, yeah. Jesus fucking Christ, dude. <laughs> you know? Yeah. What a way to get the career going. Um, 
just just know that uh, me and Patrick are still in the throes of uh, uh, discussing getting Carrie on this show. Uh, we're we're still we're still uh, in debate on which which uh, section of the pick it would be in. Um, it's 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 been ongoing for months now. I mean, um, truth be told, we can always just like. If we find something to pair it with, we can just like be like, okay, just make it the other one. Look, it's like, I don't, I, I mean, like, I have a specific idea of what I think it is. And yes, and I know so do you, but like, if they are in direct opposition, these are all things that I'm aware of. But I'm just saying, it's just like when you mentioned the Candyman thing, I was like, yes, but I can argue Candyman either way. I was arguing Candyman is a monster to the virtue of the fact that, like, we need a monster pick. And it was, like, the thing I was thinking of. And I was like, he's a B-man. Like, I, and, like, you're like, he's more of a slasher. I'm like, I'm just saying he's a B-man. I'm not saying we have to make him the monster of this fucking thing. I was just saying we could go either way, and that would be one way it would work. Well, I, I, I do have a pairing with Carrie. Um, I haven't told you yet, but... Um, no, you haven't. I, I haven't, but I will. And, um... I don't know, like uh I I think it's a very good pairing. Um but uh yeah, Salem's Lot was his second book. Um and then it was turned into this uh two part miniseries. Um it was uh done again in two thousand four with Rob Lowe. Um and Rutger Hauer apparently. I've never seen it. I have no yeah, idea. <laughs> yeah, I've never seen it either. Um, and it's um, it's in production now as a major motion picture from Warner Brothers. Um, but uh, I think um, I don't know how much I give a shit about that one either because uh, this uh, sale of well, version of... doing it. I mean, like, because it's like I feel like it's 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 malleable because like um, I I don't know if you've read the book, um, but I I read the book and. Um, there's definitely in this adaptation, and I, I, can't, I can't speak to the other adaptation, but um, in this adaptation, there is a lot of shit left out. Like they like they do a lot. Like it's like I mean it's a mini series, so it's like it's basically like a three hour movie. So like there's definitely still a lot of it covered. Like I'm not gonna argue there isn't. There's also there's a lot of stuff that's kind of left like to the side because they just couldn't fit it all. It's kind of the same thing like with it. Like it's like in the case of it, like you did a mini series. That was like three hours. You did two movies that were like together, like five hours plus, and you still didn't cover all of it. Um, kind of the same thing with Salem's Lot, where I was like, they there's enough left over that I feel like you could do an interesting Salem's Lot with all the stuff that you didn't touch originally. So like I if they do it properly with like a good filmmaker, I think it could still be awesome, personally. That's weird too, because uh as much as I like Salem's Lot, it does feel like it goes on forever. Um, oh yeah, <laughs> you know what I'm saying. It's not, I'm just saying, yeah, it's not, it's not my favorite King book. Um, it, it, which is funny because the way I love vampires, um, but like I do remember because I read it because um, when I because I was into Stephen King as a kid, and then um, when I uh, was like 24, I want to say, um, I was dating this girl who found out that I hadn't read The Dark Tower. And said that we had to read the Dark Tower before we could date. And so um, I bought all the Dark Tower books. And by the time that I had them all from Amazon, she had fucking ditched me. Um, but I was like, fuck it, I already had these books. So, like, I read them. And uh, when I loved them a lot. And um, 
the character of Father Callahan from Salem's Lot um, does get used in the Dark Tower. And once I had read the Dark Tower, I was just kind of like, I was like voraciously, I, I wanted more. Um, so I ended up reading Salem's Lot. I read The Stand because they used Flag in that as well. Like I, I basically read everything that was in any way connected to the Dark Tower. Um, but when I read the Dark Tower, the thing that I kind of noticed, um, which is to some extent in this movie, um, but it's also, I feel like, not 100%, is um, <laughs> like Salem's Lot as a novel, as a story is kind of like almost like Twin Peaks, but with vampires. Yeah. Like where it's like, it doesn't really matter that it's like, um, like the, like the horror is almost like, I'm not gonna say it's secondary. Cause it definitely like is an important part of it, but like, it's, it's mostly about the characters and like this wide array of characters that it is about like a vampire. And like, like, it's like, it's, it's, it's like, it's not necessarily about like, um, the way most vampire stories are of like, the collision course between like this virtuous hero and this evil vampire. It's like, it's about this town and it's like the kind of the way the vampire kind of comes in and like turns it and changes it, which actually why I prefer uh, the movie Barlow to the book Barlow though, because um, the movie Barlow based on um, Nosferatu or or Laka Nosferatu Mm. to me is a more, um stark image of like what a really evil vampire should be like i feel like if you had done it because definitely i will argue um the one they did where they cast i guess rutger howard as barlow was probably true to the book um because in the book it's very kind of like dracula-esque but i was like i definitely think it's more interesting to have him be like this very stark like chalk white skin big yeah. fucking fangs like not human like barely human looking like almost like a like a bat like a like, i don't know, like a batman but like a bat human then like more like just like a like a like a charming vampire from like whatever so it's like i do think that's kind of thing that i thought toby did really well with the movie is by changing that you make it a much more because i think that's also a thing that he did really well in general is that like um there's this kind of undercurrent of creepiness that kind of permeates everything and kind of like it's almost like the mist it's like kind of like it, it gets in everything yeah. so it's like it's always there so it's even though this is pretty fucking long it's like three hours long as a miniseries like it's just kind of this like this slowly mounting dread yeah um that I think that he did a really good, a great job of doing. Like that's why I, I do think it's like it's also why it, like it annoys me like that like his latter career got kind of marred by like stupid bullshit um, because like I think that like the things that he did with like Texas Chainsaw and like this um, he showed this really specific ability towards like just mounting dread turning into abject terror yeah no that that was one of toby's greatest attributes was the way he could just mount you know what i'm saying that's that's one thing i i i love about certain horror movies is that you know the dread building you know what i'm saying to 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 an amount where it's just unbearable um and and that's one thing he always did best you know what i'm saying 
And it's like, yeah, uh, you mentioned that uh, his his career got marred in bullshit. Uh, <laughs> 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 um. Uh, just to let you know, Poltergeist is a Toby Hooper film. Um, I, I will say that to to, to lie in the grave. Poltergeist I mean, is. is a Toby Hooper film. Yeah, I mean, um, honestly, like, I don't, I'm, I'm not gonna like engage in the debate of it, but like, I love Spielberg. I love Toby Hooper. A Poltergeist is very obviously a Toby Hooper film. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it, it, it was like, God bless her, but fucking Zelda Rubenstein was like, well, Steven Spielberg directed all the days. Shut up, you little bitch. Um, that's a Toby Hooper film. <laughs> it is very obviously a Toby Hooper film. Shut up. Just shut up. <laughs> shut the fuck up. Um, I, I, I would go to, like, I'm, I'm, gonna, I'm going to go into my grave wearing a shirt that says Poltergeist, a Toby Hooper film. <laughs> but yeah, it's like you know, I mean, you could you could see just by watching this and like the Fun House, where it's just like it's obvious when you watch Poltergeist. You know, what I'm saying Toby Hooper is responsible for that shit. You know, what I'm saying like I love Spielberg as as a filmmaker, but I doubt he could um, produce that level of terror that Toby Hooper. Good, good, you know what I'm saying? I mean, I'm uh-huh. not. I don't give as this. I'm not debating it. I just, I, I feel like it's, it's obvious, like that it's yeah. Toby's movie. Like I definitely think Spielberg has a hand, like a strong hand in it. It's just the same thing as like Gremlins, where like I think he has a strong hand in it, but I still think it's Joe Dante's movie. It's, yeah. my, it's my thing with Poltergeist. It's the same thing. Where like, I think he has a strong hand in it, but I think it's Toby's movie. Um, and but I think I think, like, I think that's kind of like Toby's. Also, the other thing I think he did with this that I thought was interesting is. Um, the way that because it's like speaking of like the um the Nosferatu thing, um he does a really good job of making it even though it's like this small town Americana thing, he's doing very specifically doing gothic horror mm-hmm. um within that. And kind of the juxtaposition in terms of like the way that he shoots it is really, really cool, I think, and really, really jarring, but in a good way. Where it's like you see like these like perfect like suburban kind of almost houses with like these like fucking chalk white skin like bright yellow eyed vampires within them it's just like it's just i don't know it's so it's almost like comic booky but like not it's not it's not like it's not like going full on to like creep show territory it's just kind of yeah. its own like it's like this own thing where it's like it is very interesting imagery that i think he, i think that he did a really good job and like cuz like my cuz like, i do think there are elements of this that kind of drive me insane because uh, it's kind of the same thing as like uh, John Carpenter's Someone's Watching Me, which I think is awesome. But I do think it's funny because like you watch it and you're like, yes, it's very clearly made for TV and not made as a feature because like it's you're working with like a TV DP, like a TV, like uh, like a uh, sound guy, like a like score, like whatever. Um and so Salem's Lot kind of has this, a lot of the same problems where it's just like, yeah, this is very clearly made for TV. And like, I wonder what would have happened if they were like, hey, Toby, like, here's all this money to do it for a fucking feature. Um, but given those like boundaries, I think that he fucking knocks it out of the park. And that's why 
It's a movie that's like it's known for being like this deeply disturbing kid thing that kids saw when they were growing up that like Joss Whedon's talked about and Brian Fuller has talked about and like all these different like filmmakers have been like trying to like match the way that Toby made them feel with this movie. Yeah, you know what I'm saying? And it's like I you know what I'm saying in in the neighborhood I grew up in you ask anybody what was the scariest movie they ever saw and they always say it was it. You know what I'm saying? Like, oh, it fucking clown, man. Fucking Pennywise get shit out of me, man. And it's like, it, it, it's it's like, you know, it's, it's almost like a lost art when you have, like, TV movies that terrified people so much where it's just like they never forgot it. You know what I'm saying? There's that. And then there's this. You know what I'm saying? Where you ask so many people who saw it at that time, it's like, oh, man, that fucking, that kid tapping on the window, man. Fucking, I was terrified. Shit my pants. You know what I'm saying? You know what I'm saying? It's like, and then like you compare like this and it to like other Stephen King miniseries, and I've I've saw like shitload of them. Like yeah, like I saw the Langoliers and Jesus Christ. (laughs) Like I, I, you know, I'm saying like I remember liking that as a kid, but then I rewatched it. I was like, holy shit! (laughs) (laughs) And I like this. You know what I'm saying? Uh. I remember being terrified of the Tommyknockers, and then I rewatched it, and I'm like, Jesus Christ, dude. What the fuck? You know what I'm saying? It's like, I mean, to be fair, though, I will say with the Tommyknockers, that is one of the Stephen King things that he wishes he didn't write, because he's like, that sucked. He was just like, that was pure cocaine, and I apologize for its existence. I was like, when they were talking about a couple of years ago, they were talking about, like, uh, James Wan doing, a, like, a new version of it. I was just like, I don't know, man. Like, I was like... When even Stephen King says this sucks, I don't know what you can make out of this. <laughs> like, I, I don't know. Like, cause I, I, I do like the story. Um, I, I, you know, what I'm saying I remember watching, and I do like the story. Like, I remember, um, I, I wanted to see it because you know Stephen King miniseries, and uh, my father was like, "No, you don't watch that because you're gonna get scared. You're gonna have nightmares." And I watched it, and then I was, like, terrified of going to sleep. <laughs> see, you see, I told you not to watch this shit. You know what I'm saying? Uh, and then, I, you know, like I said, I rewatched it, and I'm just like, holy shit, I was scared of this <laughs> shit. Um, and what was it? The, uh, the, the Stand. I like The Stand. Uh, better than the, the new version they made. Um, uh, his, his version, like, his preferred version of The Shining. Um... I, I liked it, uh, but like Jesus Christ, um, that 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 Danny Torrance in that version of shit, like um, I, I don't want to sound mean, but that kid, you were terrible. <laughs> <laughs> I don't want to sound mean, but fuck that kid. <laughs> fuck him and his fuck his performance. <laughs> Very much. <laughs> what what else was there like? Um, yeah, like they they don't fucking do the Stephen King miniseries anymore and shit. It was well, like because now you can. It was a time. It was like the reason that like miniseries existed was because they were like this is too long to be a movie, like and like or expensive, like whatever. But usually it's, it was like a length issue. Um, whereas now, as I said, like you can do essentially a five hour version, five hour plus version of um, it. 
and still not scratch the surface of everything because like there's like he just writes these big dense sprawling stories in many instances and like i feel like um in terms of like because also the other thing that you can do is you mentioned the stand is um you can also do things like where you do the stand as like a um not a mini series but like a limited series where they yeah. did like a bunch of episodes rather than just trying to do it all in like three hours or whatever it was um so that's the whole thing is like i feel like because also did the um, uh the outsider um when he did uh they did his uh outsider on hbo um where they did like a limited series out of that because like, they do do that sometimes now but definitely is more few and far between because i feel like to a large extent um also because i think a lot of his stuff has already kind of been mined like because in our childhood hell even before our childhood because this came out before we even were born yeah uh, they basically took every goddamn thing that stephen king ever wrote and fucking made it adapted it and like made it to a like tv thing into a movie thing and by the time we get to like the last like 10 years they're remaking shit they already did just to like do it now with like different like effects and different whatever um so it's like it's just i don't know it's it's like it's a weird thing where it's like because king did such iconic shit that was so important to like so many people it's like it's almost like you kind of want to just keep retelling these stories, even like because I was like they're doing as you said like they're doing Salem's Lot again. And I'm just like, it's weird because like I definitely think there is more to do, but also I feel like there's also the possibility that you end up in the same place you ended up with the Rob Lowe one, which I didn't even see, but where it's like you're just trying to do like the book, but. Toby kind of some extent figured out in this like kind of what you needed what you didn't because like you mentioned the whole thing that kind of feel like it went on too long and stuff which definitely I it's a fair criticism um but um I do also think it's kind of like cut into its leanest and meanest form in this yeah. take like I was like the only the main thing I think is like uh, that got kind of screwed in um this miniseries is I feel like Father Callahan got kind of completely fucked um, in this uh, miniseries because it's like a very important part of um, the book and um, and Dark Tower. Um, whereas in this movie, like in this miniseries, he's kind of like I I don't want to say an afterthought, but I mean it kind of is because um, it's kind of all in service of like the lead and like. It's funny, though, because also speaking of, like, the TV element, where it's, like, I don't know. Is he? I think he's Hutch. I don't know if he's Starsky or Hutch. I don't know the difference. He's uh, Hutch. Okay. Um, so you also cast <laughs> fucking Hutch <laughs> as this guy. I was, like, I don't necessarily know that I buy Hutch as a writer. <laughs> like, I was just, like, I buy him to some extent as a vampire hunter. Um, I don't 100% buy him as a writer. Um, that's me. Although I do think, I don't know the name of the actor who played him, but, um, the guy who plays Straker, I think is also very good. James uh, Mason. Okay. Yeah. I think the, the guy who played Straker is great. Like he's very, very creepy. Like it's, oh, I, that's, I do think the villains are the strongest part of this entire thing. Oh yeah. I love, uh, when, when he has his big, uh, showdown with Father Callahan, um, Face it, you could do nothing against the master. You know, face him, shaman. 
You know what I'm saying? Like, oh, he's fucking great. That that that's probably my favorite scene in the entire thing was when uh uh Barlow comes in through the window and he kills uh Mark's uh parents with a with a very uh three stooges death. He just fucking smashes their heads together and they're dead. Um we, we should know that uh Mark uh Petrie is played by uh Lance Kerwin who's recently passed away. Um I, I, I just wanted to, to note that like, you know, he he was great in this, but he was also uh most famous for uh his television series that he did, uh James at fifteen, which I have noted to uh Patrick uh that uh his beloved boyhood uh is 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 a ripoff of. I just like Richard Linklater. Why would you <coughs> be taking shots <laughs> like goddamn Richard Linklater films? Like, like, here's the thing. I like Richard Linklater too. Like, I love *A Scanner Darkly*. That, that, that's my favorite Linklater film. *A Scanner, *A Scanner Darkly*. Um, and I love um, uh, uh, what was it? Uh, *Dazed and Confused*. Okay, all right, we're I, good now. We're back. We're back to being okay. I, I, I love *Dazed and Confused*. Um, but I just wanted to note that *Boyhood* is essentially doing *James at 15. Um, I, okay. I, I, I saw Boyhood, and I'm like, Richard Linklater, you are not slick. I know what you are doing here. This is James is 15. Pay homage, motherfucker. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? <laughs> that, that is literally my letterbox review of Boyhood. Richard Linklater, you ain't slick. This is just James at 15. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? And Lance Kerwin was the star of that show, and also he's the one of the co-stars of this film, and he has recently passed away, so uh, rest in peace to him. Um, but, like, yeah, like, you you, um, you mentioned uh, David Soul uh, as Hutch um, playing uh, Ben Mears, uh, the the hero of this film. Um, and I liked, I liked him, you know what I'm saying? Like, yeah, I don't he... dislike him. I'm not saying I dislike him. I'm just saying I don't yeah. buy him as a writer. <laughs> like, I'm just like, I, and I, but to be fair, I don't know that I buy Rob Lowe as a writer either. We're making, I haven't seen the movie, but like, I don't know that I buy Rob Lowe as a writer either. So like, whatever. <laughs> like, wait, wait, wait. Uh, I, I was reading up about uh, on, on this um, uh, for the purposes of the discussion because I didn't even realize they were doing a new version of Salem's Lot. But um, you know who they got playing Ben Mears in 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 the movie version? Lewis Pullman. Actually, I would buy him as a writer. So, like, actually, that would be the first time that I would buy somebody as a writer. Yeah. I would. Yeah, no, that actually isn't bad. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, of course, uh, I I haven't seen it yet. Um, but he was, I believe, Bob in uh, Top Gun Maverick. You haven't seen Maverick? What the fuck? <laughs> no, like, I told, I told you this. I told you this. If I have too many people recommending me a movie as, like, the best movie ever, I will not watch it just to be a dick about it. Like, I have not seen Top Gun Maverick. I have not seen Ambulance. I have not seen Accident Man 2, Hitman's Holiday. Okay, that I haven't seen either. But, like, Ambulance and Maverick... So you're basically just like denying yourself, like the Joy. two best yes. action movies of the last year. Like, basically, yeah, despite yourself, <laughs> like you're like, oh yes, 
I'm just going to fucking slam my dick in a car door just to make you feel like an asshole. Like, what? I don't think that you're doing what... I don't feel anything. I feel like you should just stop doing that to yourself. But, like, whatever, man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah, it does sound like fucking, like, just, you know, just stupid shit. But it's true. It's like people are like, oh, my God, Ambulance is the greatest movie ever, man. You got to see it. And it's like, yeah, I'll see it. Oh, Ambulance, 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 Ambulance. It's like... Yeah, yeah, I'm gonna watch it. I'm gonna, I'm gonna watch it. Yeah, yeah. And it's just like, no, I'm not gonna watch it. And it's just like, oh, have you seen Ambulance? No. Have you seen Top Gun Maverick? No. You haven't seen Top Gun Maverick? And it's, I'm just sitting there like, <laughs> I'm like fucking uh, Terry Silver in the fucking the Karate Kid Three, <laughs> where fucking uh, when, when when Daniel was fucking trying to break the fucking uh, the thing. <laughs> And he's in the corner, like, <laughs> like yeah, I'm that fucking evil and shit. You're sitting there, like, oh yeah, watch the movie. I'm like, yeah, I'll watch it. I'm like, <laughs> again, the- but you're evil to yourself. Like here again, you're slamming your own dick in a car door and like cackling maniacally about it. Like I don't necessarily think this is the flex that you think it is. Like I think you should stop hurting yourself, Rob. Is all I'm saying. Like. I, I, I will I will watch these movies eventually. Like to this day, I still haven't seen uh, what's that fucking that Karate Kid remake with uh, Jaden Smith and oh Jack- yeah, well you're not missing that much. I mean that's that's fine. Like I mean like I don't think was that I was that thing where you were like where people were saying things like I was like I yo never... yo okay. you, you like best believe it. Mac to this day is like <laughs> oh my god like that movie was good and I'm like I'll take your word for it. Yeah, it's fine. Like, I mean, I don't dislike it, but like, it's not like I. It's, it's my least favorite Karate Kid movie. <laughs> like, I think I seen five minutes of it, and I was like, "This is some bullshit." The like, one thing I will give it credit for is it's the one time that I can think of where I really thought Jackie Chan was a good actor. Like, damn, damn I, I don't mean as an insult to Jackie Chan. It sounds like an insult. <laughs> No, I'm just saying, like, most of the time he's not really trying to, like, do, like, acting, acting per se. Acting, yeah. Yeah, it's like right. he's basically just trying to do, like, he's just doing, like, Jackie Chan stuff. Like, we're just, like, being, like, it's just, like, it's fun times. Like, he's just, like, uh, he's, like, he's like, a comedy action, like a showman. Um, whereas in, like, Karate Kid, he's doing, like, serious fucking acting. And I'm like, holy shit. Like, I didn't know you had this in you, bro. It's like... I mean, it's like this is like like Schwarzenegger. It's like Schwarzenegger usually didn't try to act, and that's fine. Like I'm not like mad at him for it. Like he knew what his strengths were, and he played to them. Like Jackie Chan, similar situation. Yeah, I give you that. Um, nah, like Jackie Chan's got a lot of good shit where he's like he's acting his ass off. Like Young Master, New Police Story, um, even in Police Story One and Two, like you know he's doing good shit. What 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 the fuck? We talk about Salem's Lot. Why the fuck are you talking at this point? Um, uh, you know, it is what it is. Like, you know what I'm saying? Uh, you you get a variety of shit whenever me and Patrick get together. We just start talking movies. Um, but um, I'm I'm glad, like, to go back to I'm glad you mentioned that because I thought the same thing. Um, that this movie is very Twin Peaks-ish. With, 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 with fucking, uh, with, like, it's, you know group of characters and shit in this small town that uh seems to be all fucked up before the vampires showed up 
Yeah, exactly. Like fucking uh, Fred Willard and shit, and, and the love affair with him and George Zazenda, and 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 the fucking wife and shit. I love <laughs> he he catches them in bed together, and then she's all like, "He raped me," and he's like, "No, I didn't." He's like, "Yeah, come here, rapist." You know what I'm saying? It's like, yeah, he, he, like, I love how the wife is trying to cover her ass, and it's like, he already knows. He already knows you're fucking this guy. You're busted, lady. Like, you know what I'm saying? You know what I'm saying? Just, 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 just you know, just come clean and shit. But she's like, no, he raped me. And it's just like, and then what happened? He beat the shit out of you. You know what I'm saying? He didn't even believe that shit. Well, yeah, I mean, it's the same thing that, like, he, um, it's like, I guess Toby Hooper and, like, David Lynch were kind of interested in exploring similar things. Because also, it's kind of the same that, that, um, Lynch explored in, like, Blue Velvet, too. Yeah. Um, where it's like the idea of, like, the idyllic small town America. Yeah. Americana. Yeah, it's bullshit. Yeah. Where it's just like, there's, like, the nicest, like, like, these, like, the nicest houses contain like the darkest shit see yeah. and like so yeah so like, i feel like that that's kind of the, they're exploring in this as well is just the idea of like this town was fucked up even before a vampire showed up yeah like fu- the fucking vampire just brought the evil to the forefront yeah you know what i'm saying it's got fucking uh, uh jeffrey lewis and shit all this uh extra creepy you know what i'm saying uh, you know, before he ended up looking like Sean Connery. Um, <laughs> that's a double impact reference for you people out there. You know what I'm saying? That that's a, you know, that's that's my action Twitter persona shining in for a brief moment, very brief. Um, you're a very handsome man, like Sean Connery. Uh, what? You know what I'm saying? But uh, like, yeah. I, I I love that, you know what I'm saying? It's like it, it's almost like like two forces coming together in this small town and shit and just like, you know, like this there's, there's this almost dark underbelly of this town of Salem's Lot. Which I, I know in the book that the town is actually Jerusalem's lot. Well but, yeah, but it's yeah, it just it becomes known as like yeah, yeah, Salem's Lot. Yeah, Salem's Lot. Uh, and it's like these two forces, one of good and one of evil. The good, obviously, is Ben Mears, and evil is Straker and uh, Barlow. And it's just like they just bring everything to the forefront to like this fever pitch, where it's just like the whole town and its its population gets destroyed. Basically, you know what I'm saying? Between this battle of wills between these these, these two individuals. Well, three individuals essentially, um, and I I like that shit. I mean, obviously, being a fan of Twin Peaks, I I like all that shit. You know what I'm saying? But um, I I I think uh, with uh, the fucking whole thing with um, fucking uh, Ben Mears and shit, fucking coming to town and shit. You know what I'm saying? Because the whole the whole thing is that he comes back to town because uh he's he's wants to write a book about the Marston house this this house that terrified him when he was a kid because he he swears he saw a ghost in it uh what was the name of the oh, Hubie Marston I think so uh, that's right yeah 
Yeah, like he fucking hung himself and he saw his ghost hanging and all that shit. And he's it, it, it stayed with him ever since. And he come back and he's become and in the intertwining years he's become a successful writer. Um, but like his his thing is he wants to write a book about this fucking house. So he comes back to the town. He actually wants to rent the house, but the house is being rented, uh, been bought out by Straker and Barlow. So he rents a, a, a room that's overlooking the house and shit. And then he discovers that, you know, there's, you know, something, you know what I'm saying, something else going on. You know what I'm saying? Some other form of evil. It's not ghosts, but it's vampires. You know what I'm saying? And I like that. Uh, I mean, it takes a while, but, uh, you know, he kind of like finds like almost like a younger alternate version of himself in a uh, Mark Petrie and shit. Yeah. Who's actually into this shit? You know, he's into yeah. monsters. Um, there's that one scene where uh, one scene I hate because I've actually heard it before, with uh, his dad comes into Mark's room and shit when they're rehearsing the play with uh, the Glick brothers. Yeah. They say, "Hey, Mark, when are you gonna grow out of all this stuff?" And and like he just answers like, "As soon, I guess." You know what I'm saying? But you know, he doesn't really mean that. He's just saying that to blow his dad off. You know what I'm saying? Like, you know, his dad thinks this is all playthings and stuff, and essentially this is all the shit that's gonna save his life. It's his knowledge of monsters and all that shit. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? The parents didn't believe in his shit, and that's why they ended up fucking uh, like uh, Moen and Larry and shit, fucking headbutting each other to death. You know what I'm saying? <coughs> um, and I like that they, they essentially in the climax become partners per se and destroying the like the vampires and Barlow and shit. Even though uh Ben is 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 one of my favorite moments in the movie because it's fucking hilarious, but I don't think it was intended to be funny. Is when um because you know they state that Barlow can hypnotize you. And uh when they open the coffin to, to slay Barlow, he starts hypnotizing Mark and Ben is like, don't look at him and he shoves him and this kid goes flying 18 feet into the fucking... It just smashes against the fucking... Like, the table and a chair and a wall and shit. It's like, you're trying to save this kid's life and you almost fucking killed him. <laughs> <laughs> he almost killed that kid, yo. Um, but yeah, it's like... Uh, I, I, I also got to shout out the fucking Bonnie Bedelia is in here. Yes, I was gonna uh, say like I was like that thing that's funny is like they ended up um, with like her. It's like they were they could only afford like a certain caliber of like actors like the sporting roles, but like they kind of got lucky by virtue of the fact that like a character or actor like Bonnie Bedelia was like on the come up at that point. So it's like before she was like uh, Holly McLean, um, she was in this. And like, so it's like why you get a really good memorable performance out of her because you cast a really good actor that just didn't happen to be like famous yet or even like of note yet. Um, but yeah, no, she's fucking great in the movie, I feel like. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Also, uh, and also in uh, another connection to a previous film we just talked about, she is the aunt of... Uh... Uh, the the Culkins, um, which is which is something I, I I just for some reason I find funny. 
He's like, uh, Holly McLean is Macaulay Culkin's aunt. <laughs> Kieran Culkin's aunt. Rory Culkin's aunt. You know what I'm saying? But yeah, she's fucking great in the movie. Like, you know what I'm saying? Because, um, you know, she's like, you know, the love interest of Ben Mears. You know, she's she's with him. And then, like, you know, for, for her final scene, uh, spoilers for uh, this almost, what, 50-year-old movie? <laughs> she becomes a vampire. And she she tries to seduce him. She uses like she uses his love for her against him for a brief moment, and and I love that too because like you know it's like you know, like come come closer and all that shit she's saying to him whatever the fuck she's saying, and like oh like yeah I got him I'm gonna bite him I'm gonna turn him into a vampire, and he's like yeah that's what I want you to think bitch and he sticks her in the goddamn heart. And, and and she's dead, you know what I'm saying? And I like I, I like that because you know you think the big climax is the fucking uh, the showdown in the, in, the, in the Marston house, but it's really that, you know what I'm saying? Like you know him, his biggest challenge is you know facing her. Yeah. Um. And, and I think that's great. Like I also like that. Uh, uh, this is something I wanted to point out when bringing up this movie, is that I, I find it funny that. Uh, because uh, the main story is basically a flashback. Because we yeah. start um, two years removed from the main story. Uh, yeah, there's like a framing story. Yeah, there's like a framing yeah. story where they show them like in the future. Like where they're like on the run. Yeah, but like they show them that like they've been on the run for two years. But like they're just dirty. That's how <laughs> they like, like yeah, like they, 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 their hair is just brushed back or slicked back or whatever. But it's like the same fucking length, and they're, just, <laughs> and, they're, and they're just dirty and like, oh yeah, this is how we show that uh, they're fucking. They've been on a run for two years, like, you know, they just they just dirty, and that's it. They just <laughs> they got dirty faces and dirty clothes. That's how that's how we fucking si- <laughs> we signal that they've been on a run for so long, you know. <laughs> like I I could I could imagine that they probably couldn't. They they didn't have time to stop for haircuts, um, or anything. But like, yeah, you know, I love you, Toby, but you could have worked harder. To, that's to show but, that. I, but I okay. To be fair though, I don't think that's like that's like I doubt that was like a Toby because I said there are there are elements of this where it's just like I don't think it's Toby in as much as it's like the limitations of like because it doesn't exist now, like now. If you're making a like made-for-TV movie, it's like something it's made for like HBO Max or it's made for like fucking uh, like Netflix. So it's like they're spending regular movie budgets on these movies. Whereas like back in this day of like the 70s, it was like they were spending like I don't even know the actual number. But I'm very confident it is probably, at the very most, probably like a quarter of what you would normally spend on a movie of this size. So it's like within those parameters, I think Toby did a fucking brilliant job. And like, yes, there's definitely things about it. <laughs> like, like, I honestly didn't even think about that, but that's fucking, that is fucking hilarious. Um, <laughs> But, like, there are just things that, like, are just, like, the, again, but it's, it's, like my, it's like the same thing with, like, as I mentioned, like, um, I love 
Carpenter's um, Someone's Watching Me. I think it's fucking great. But there's also things in that fucking movie that are like very clearly like this was the limitations of Carpenter working on TV. So it's like, it's the same thing with this. We're like, this is the limitations of what Toby can do on TV, but he's still pushing it really fucking far. Like to be completely fair. Like, I think that like the whole thing about Salem's lot is you took like what could have been in somebody else's hands, like kind of like, just kind of a like whatever vampire story, but because you put it in, like you took, you had Stephen King being adapted by Toby Hooper before either of them were like, well known enough for that to be impressive, um, but so that you could afford to do it, you end up with something really interesting that yes, there are definitely things that are like limitations of their budget. Yeah. But also like, it's still fucking impressive as shit what they were managed to accomplish. I think it, you could consider at the time this would be a big deal because, you know, Toby already had Texas Chainsaw Massacre. And so it's like... Um, well, yeah, but that wasn't like this huge blockbuster. Like, it was just like... It wasn't even like it was like Halloween. It was just like... It was kind of more than... like I feel like at that time, it was almost just like a Johnny fucking Carson punchline more than it was like a fucking big fucking movie it took years before that became what it was yeah but you did have people who were well aware of texas chainsaw massacre it's like oh my god scariest bloodiest movie i've ever seen uh, i was terrified of texas chainsaw massacre and then like you know he's adapting a stephen king book you know stephen king had already been known by that point because uh he already <coughs> You already had Carrie published and made into a movie. Uh, there was this, and then there was just Shining. Shining was already published by the time this movie was made. But then it's like, like yo, like uh, to to think that Stephen King's first three books were adapted by Brian De Palma, Toby Hooper, and then Stanley Kubrick. And it's like. Jesus Christ, your first three books directed by fucking masters of filmmaking right there. You know what I'm saying? It's just like, dude, you're fucking, you're, you're just like walking on sunshine at this point. You know what I'm saying? Yes. Like, like you gotta give it to it. And it's like, you know, Toby, you know what I'm saying, with this, I believe show that he was, you know what I'm saying, because, you know, he he could have had that career where it's just like, oh, he's that guy that made that Texas Chainsaw Massacre movie. But he showed like he was capable of more than just like having that fucking just kind of like visceral horror, where like he can make like classical horror like with this. You know what I'm saying? And just make it really effective. You know what I'm saying? Which is why, as you mentioned, his career got fucked up. You know what I'm saying? And he ended up doing shit. For the, for the remainder of his career after the 80s, um, that, that man could not get something fucking to hit to save his life, unfortunately. Well, I mean, to be fair, though, the only thing, the, I think mean, a big part of that was the fact that, like, he didn't want to be a horror director. Like, he wanted to do comedies. And then, like, but he did Chainsaw, which definitely had comedic elements, but, like, was a horror movie. And then he did, like, 
another horror movie and another horror movie. And, and so like at a certain point, all they would let him do was horror movies. And so like I think at a certain point, he was just kind of like, I don't necessarily know that he didn't, that he was like unhappy or whatever, but I definitely think that like he wasn't necessarily completely creatively fulfilled at a certain point. I, I, yeah, and I think that's a, a a problem with a lot of horror directors that, you know, they do a horror movie and it hits big for them. And then Hollywood is like, oh, well, you know, this hit for you. So you got to do more. And it's like, but I don't want to do more. I want to do other shit. You know, Wes Craven, uh, as we were talking about, he famously did, did not was trying to get out of the horror genre for the longest which led him to do music of the heart. And um, yeah, Craven, I love you, but uh, yeah, this is why you were good at horror and shit, because doing anything other than that and shit did not work out for you. Because uh, I saw music of the heart and what the fuck. And I, saw I did Va- not see music of the heart. <laughs> and I saw vampire in Brooklyn and what the fuck. Yeah. And- I didn't actually see that until last year. I think it was um, the year before last. I had never seen it before. I I actively avoided it my entire life, and then like I was you like, should have hey, avoided it. You should have avoided it. I was. I wish that I did. I was like I was so bummed when I watched it. I was just like Jesus Christ. Like what the fuck? Yeah, you should have avoided that shit forever. Like the last time I watched it was years ago, and I remember, like my only thought watching that movie was. Angela Bassett, what the fuck are you doing in here? <laughs> you know what I'm saying? It's like, Eddie, you know, I know he was just scraping for a hit. Uh, Alan Payne, whatever. Uh, but Angela Bassett, I was just like, honey, you're better than this. I do get it in terms of, like, Craven. And I get it in terms of, like, Toby Hooper, where it's just, like, they were just dudes who, like... Who didn't necessarily want to do? Because I, I, like, I, I do remember that was a thing I had heard with uh, Eli Roth. Like, I want to say yeah. it was on um, like the Hostel thing, where like I guess he was told by like everybody, they were like, "Do not make your second movie a horror movie because you'll never get to do other things other than horror movies." And he's like, "But I want to do horror movies. <laughs> like, yeah. I got into this to do horror movies. So then that's why he kept doing it. Um, and then when he got out of it, like he did like Death Wish, which holy shit." Um, it proved why he shouldn't have left in the first fucking place. Um, but, um, <laughs> but, um, in like, I do get it in terms of like the artistry of it, where it's like, I get that's not necessarily like, even if I don't care about Wes Craven doing things other than horror, I mean, I feel like it doesn't necessarily hurt to have him getting more filled as an artist by trying to work on stuff. So it's like the kind of thing with Toby is like, I would have liked to have seen Toby to like get a chance at doing more things he actually like wanted to do. Um, but I do think that like this kind of proof, like as you like said at the top of it, where it's just like, it's there's like elements and imagery in this that like is still scary, like decades later and he achieved it with not a ton of money on a TV fucking like fucking visual spectrum and still managed to make something out of it. Like, so like that in and itself proves how good of a goddamn filmmaker he was because like this movie could have just as easily been the fucking Langoliers, right. but it wasn't like, it's just like, it was because of his artistry. Cause that's something I think that like um, Toby did really well is he managed to kind of make, um, 
even when he wasn't doing gothic horror, he could kind of make things feel like gothic horror. Because I feel like this feels very gothic horror. I feel like Poltergeist feels very gothic horror. Like, I think the Funhouse feels very gothic horror. Oh, yeah. Like, I feel like he definitely has a fucking, he has a flair for the gothic horror. Um, even even uh, Texas Chainsaw Massacre 2. Um, yeah. Has a very gothic horror feeling to it. Yeah. So, like, um, and also has a very, like, comedic thing to it, which is also why, like, I yeah. do want to cover it at some point, but I also, it, it drives me insane. <laughs> um, but like i do like i do think that like that's thing that toby was really good at and this is kind of like one of the best kind of crystallizations of it because like as i said like in the book it's much more kind of overt in terms of its gothic horror but like to a less in my mind successful extent um whereas this he figured out what actually made it scary and like made it scarier than the book is by any stretch of the imagination. Like, I think that, like, the way that Toby did vampires is extremely underrated because there's definitely, like, in terms of, like, the visual look of, like, Straker himself, or I'm sorry, of um, Barlow himself, um, is definitely um, reminiscent of Nosferatu. But even taking that off the table, just the other vampires in the movie had this yeah. very specific look that is legitimately scary decades upon decades later. And I do think that, like, that's fucking impressive as shit. Like, because I love vampires, but it takes a lot to, like, actually, like, kind of creep me out with vampires. I love them so much. And yeah. he does a really good job, I think, with the look of these. That, like, it makes me uncomfortable to some extent to look at them. Yeah, because... Vampires have been done to fucking death. You know what I'm saying? Yes. A lot of times they become a goddamn punchline. And, like, he just knows how to make them scary. Like, like the aforementioned uh, Glick brother uh, tapping on the window. And the fact that he chose to shoot uh, the attacks in reverse yeah. to give them an unnatural feeling. You know what I'm saying? And it's just... You know that man knew how to fucking scare you, you know, like he really did, you know. And it's like I could, I could see why, like you know, I'm, I'm so far removed from that point in time where it's just like, I'm not myself scared, but I could see how, you know, somebody watching that for the first time back in that, you know, 1979 when it came out, was just fucking terrified by that, you know. The kid just floating in the air, tapping on the window. I- I'm wondering if uh, when they did that in uh, Buffy the Vampire Slayer, the film. Oh, I would 100% believe that it was reminiscent of that on purpose. Like yeah. I would 100% believe it. Go home, Ben. But I'm hungry. You're floating. Come on. You know what I'm yeah, I definitely. Like, yeah. I, I, I refuse to believe that was. Because even Joss has said, like, um his whole thing with like the strangers on Buffy um, was trying to like give kids watching at that point, the same kind of fear he had felt seeing um, the whole thing of like the floating vampire, the little lick brother in Salem's lot, just like um, uh, the, the bit with uh, the antlers uh, in Salem's lot, um, Brian Fuller then used uh in a different way on Hannibal because it had so deeply affected him as a child. 
So it's like a lot of the imagery in this is like that's again that's something that I don't think that Toby gets enough credit for is the way that the images he is able to create is his compositions are kind of almost painterly and yeah. it creates images that stick with you forever. Like it's like even if you don't necessarily like them, like it's like I don't I don't have the most joyful, loving feelings for Texas and Saw 2. But, like, I've never forgotten. There are certain shots in it that'll be with me forever. Just by virtue of the fact that, like, they're just so, like, just beautiful and weird. And, like, there's just this thing. There's just something about the way that he knows how to shoot things. And, like, it's Poltergeist is the same thing. Whereas he knows how to make things where it just somehow manages to stick in your brain long after and whatever in barring whatever you even felt about the movie it's like whether you liked it or didn't like the images are indelible and that's fucking impressive yeah the, obviously to the point where when they put out the steel book it's literally the glick brother tapping on the window yeah. you know what i'm saying and it's like it, it, Warner Brothers is very aware of how effective this moment was on people where they just put it on their steelbook. You know what I'm yeah. saying? So it's like that that's, that's that's definitely saying something to to you know the artistry of Toby Hooper, where it's just like he can create a level of terror where it's just it's felt decades later, you know. And yeah, that's 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 why. That that man is one of the what I call the four horsemen of horror, you know, four four filmmakers who change the face of horror. You know what I mean, and God bless Toby. You know what I'm saying for doing. I'm sorry, I was uh, quenching my thirst a bit there. <laughs> yeah, like you know, what I'm saying it's like because. I got to say that because I feel like Toby is probably the one that gets the most disregarded in comparison to the other three. You know, like we, we talk all the time about Craven, uh, Romero, particularly Carpenter. You know what I'm saying? You can listen to our Halloween The Thing episode and see how much, you know, our, our love affair with John Carpenter. But I I, I feel like Toby gets the most disregarded, you know what I'm saying? You know, it was like, yeah, he made Texas Chainsaw Massacre and, and, and that was it. And it's like, no, he's got other shit that he's made and shit that was just like really just affected so many people when shit when it comes to just like, you know, uh like poltergeist and shit, and is is it's such a goddamn shame that you know his uh, work on Poltergeist gets questioned the way it does, you know what I'm saying? Because, you know, you have Steven Spielberg, you know, on, on there and shit, and it's just like, oh, it's Spielberg, and it's like, no, fuck you, it's a Toby Hooper film. Um, but, like, also with this and shit, you know what I'm saying? There's, like, you know, other titles we mentioned, like The Fun House and all that stuff, and it's like, nah, my man Toby Hooper... You know what I'm saying? When he showed out, when when he really gave a shit about it. Um, I mean, he continued to show out his shit because uh, 
I still I'm I'm a big fan of uh, his remake of the Two Box Murders. I um, like that movie. Yeah, I I mean I, I don't I wouldn't say like I I would say one of his stronger efforts, but I do like it. I think it's good. I especially as like for what it is like at that point in time. Yeah, I think like it's, it's kind of like one of those like we talked about the, the remakes and the last thing. That was kind of like one of the ones that like really flew under the radar because it was like a like straight to video essentially remake of kind of an unknown um slasher movie um but i saw it because it had the star of may and then it was uh the killer was played by the director of may so i was just like well this is tailor made for me um so yeah no i i i, I wouldn't say like it's one of his like best movies but i have always liked that movie too yeah you know what I'm saying? I mean, and, and coming at that point in his career where people, everybody had just counted him out. And it was like, oh, Toby don't got it no more. And like, he was giving a shit like mortuary. And it's like, <laughs> I love you, Toby, but this ain't it. And then like, you know, he'd give us toolbox murders and it was like, oh yeah, Toby, you know, you still got it. You know what I'm saying? You just put effort and shit you just give a shit about. You know what I'm saying? Material you give a shit about. You know what I mean? But, yeah, like, Toby was was, was the fucking man. You know what I'm saying? But he's gone. And Craven's gone. Romero's gone. And all we got is Carpenter. Yeah, don't say all we got is Carpenter. I don't look that big. What the fuck? I, I'm very happy to have Carpenter. You're saying it like as if, like... Carpenter is like our consolation prize. Fuck you. Like, I like, well, I, I'm very happy. Uh, no, I'm not saying it like that. I mean, like, he's the only one we have left. And it's just like, you know, that's that innate fear. It's just like, you know, with time that we, we understand we're, we're eventually going to lose him. And it's like, that's going to be the saddest thing in the fucking world. And... Why did I just turn this whole thing into a big fucking... I was going to say, you made this so fucking dark, Rob. <laughs> <laughs> I just turned this into a big fucking bummer. Um, but no, 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 let's rebound, let's rebound. Um, the only thing I will say that I that does kind of bum me out about this is I do like the movie, but I do like... The one thing that kind of bums me out is um, the fact that because it was on TV... It's not as like bloody as I feel like it should be. Like I feel like whenever you're doing with vampires, you should be like, there should be some, there should be like quite a bit of fucking blood because I mean it's fucking vampires. And like I feel like this doesn't have that so much. I mean they definitely they do they make it scary regardless. But it is kind of the one thing that I'm hoping that is kind of like different about the when they like the one they're doing now is like I I would like to see some blood <laughs> in that because like this one being kind of bloodless bums me out. But like. Without that, but also to, to be fair, I will say, um, it definitely doesn't bother me while I'm watching it because while I'm watching it, it's reminding me of like Nosferatu, uh, both versions of Nosferatu and um, Dracula, and those are not, there's obviously not blood really in those either, so like it's not that jarring. It just after the fact that I'm like. Is there any fucking blood in the movie? What the fuck? Like, what? I want to see. I, I, I like. I like my blood splatter. What the fuck is going on here? But like, it's after the fact. It's not when I watch the movie. So like, I, it doesn't bother me in retrospect. It just like I at that exact moment, I'm always just like, could you use some more blood there? But like, it's vampires. But like, it's fine. I'm still. I'm still. I still enjoy Salem's lot regardless. Same. 
It's very much same. So um, this has been our episode and our like our lead up to Scream, and also I guess King Yuary. Um, <laughs> <laughs> our our tag teams of the uh <laughs> films and the king films going in tandem which was not intentional but has just worked out that way um yeah. if you're um looking for us uh, uh our podcast you're listening to it so it's weird that you'd be looking for us but we are probably wherever else you might want to look um whether that be apple or spotify or wherever um and if you're looking for us on Instagram or Twitter, we are Chainsaw's Claws. Um, you can find us there, obviously. And we will see you next time. Uh-oh.